Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk post-game show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, let's get our Flames Talk post-game show underway. Five unanswered goals from the Flames. They erase a 3-1 first period deficit and take a 6-3 win over the Winnipeg Jets as we welcome you to the Scotiabank Saddledome and go immediately to the Flames locker room and check in with Blake Coleman right now. Uh, Blake joins us after a one-goal outing that really started to turn the tide in this game. Blake, we talked to you after 20 minutes of play, and you said, hey, five on five, we really like the way we're playing. If we keep on doing that, we feel like we're in good shape. How would you feel that played itself? out in the final 40 minutes yeah I think it went uh just exactly how we thought it would you know I think nobody got down after the the third goal that they scored and um you know we felt like we were playing a good game to end that period and um you know they looked like they were slowing down a bit and you know we were able to take advantage and, and get some big goals and, and big saves when we needed it so the uh the power play goal from Kadri ties it and uh, I know the power play has been a spot the group's really been working on how good did that feel to see that one go in on the man advantage it's big, you know. It's um, you know the the power play has been a bit of a battle. I mean, it's been a huge battle for us all year, and um, you know we feel like we'd be in a different position right now if we had had been able to execute a little bit better throughout the year. And um, it's something we've been working on a lot, and you know hopefully we can find its rhythm here over the the uh, final stretch. You had a one goal lead after 40, Blake. How'd you like the way the group uh, closed it out in the third? At least uh, from the the metrics I can see, allowed just one shot from the slot at five on five, and only one uh, attempt in that uh, power play or the penalty kill for you. What what did you like about your third period? As you made sure you closed this one out. I thought it was pretty textbook. You know, we didn't sit back. I thought we kept taking the game to them, and um, like you said, they. Didn't have many great looks, and the ones they did have, Marky was there, and um, you know, a, a, a tough call there in the third, and, and the guy stepped up with a big kill, and then obviously Mange puts the uh, the finisher on it, so um, couldn't draw it up much better. Good, uh, good night from your line. It seemed like your group was in the offensive zone all afternoon long. Blake, just uh, walk us through the goal that you scored, though, which was kind of a result of just that, as as you said, kind of a, a blue collar goal your group scored in the uh, in the first period. Yeah, it's the way our line needs to play to be successful. You know, it was uh, just a simple play to get it behind their D. And, you know, dogs on a bone is kind of the way we, we play. And Bax gets there first, makes a little uh, dink behind the net to Mange. And, and he's, uh, you know, he's got his head up ready to make a play. And you know, I just wanted to get hard to the net. And um, we had, I thought we had three or four looks that could have gone tonight in the same, same sort of fashion. So uh, it's good for us to get back to our game. We've been, uh, you know, talking a lot about finding our, our game and, and making a difference for our team, and I thought today was a step in the right direction. And, Blake, final question. Uh, 14 now of your final 26 games are here on home ice as your playoff fight continues. I know you've talked a lot about needing to start to make this place a more difficult place to play. How can today's game be a bit of a blueprint for that going forward? Well, that's exactly it. That's, it's the recipe. It's, uh, we had contributions all over the ice. Um, you know, power play scores a goal. There were, you know, guys were winning battles. The crowd was into it. Uh, I thought we gave them a reason to finally tonight. So, um, you know, that's that's what we need. We need to be able to rally around each other and around the crowd and, and find ways to beat uh, good opponents down the stretch here. And, um, and that was one tonight. So hopefully we can keep this rolling. Blake, congratulations on the goal. Congratulations on the win. Thanks so much for doing this, hey? 
Yeah, you bet. Thanks, fellas. That is Blake Coleman after a 6-3 Flames win over the Winnipeg Jets here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Our Flames Talk postgame show is underway. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. The text line open at 960-960. Joined in the hot stove lounge here at the Scotiabank Saddledome by Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills as well. And, you know, Mick, Blake Coleman, and told us after 20 minutes of play, he just joined us um, uh, for the post-game show as well. He said, we like the way we're playing. We, we liked our first period other than the penalty kill. I thought five on five, they controlled the entire first and, and they just stuck with it and did the same thing in the second and third period as well. It was kind of one of those stick with it afternoons for the Flames. Yeah, I really liked their start and the end of the first period as well. I would say there was maybe like a six to seven minute stretch in that first period where they scored those the chunk of goals and two of them coming on the power play. So you look at the way that they responded after that. A big part of the reason why they ended up winning this game was the fact that after giving up two power play goals, they were disciplined. They stayed out of the penalty box. There was only one penalty that Chris Tanev took, but outside of that, they were disciplined and they also cleaned up uh, their play in their own zone in terms of net front. They gave up all three goals uh, from the slot, so did a much better job of picking up sticks, clearing out bodies. Uh, so those were two really good adjustments from the group. And then just in terms of playing a much more engaged game in terms of their physicality and uh, just their battle, they played with much more desperation. They outworked the Jets all over the ice. You could tell there was guys diving for pucks, trying trying to get clears, get them out of the zone, just those second and third efforts, and then outchanced as well and made some really nice plays from an offensive standpoint. So just a, a really solid game from the Flames. Yeah, I mean, outside of the penalty kill, they were fantastic in this hockey game against a, a really good Jets team that came in with three straight wins, uh, the best point percentage in the Central Division, and uh, feeling good about themselves. But uh, other than Sean Monaghan's hat trick, uh, not a lot, lot to feel good about uh, after this game for the visiting team. And, and the weird thing for me is that for most of the season, you could argue the Flames' penalty kill has been their biggest strength. In their first 54 games, they gave up multiple power play goals twice. And now they've given up multiple power play goals in back-to-back games. Strange but true. But they overcome the penalty kill today and, and score five unanswered goals and, and skate to a big 6-3 win to snap their three-game losing streak and the Jets' three-game winning streak. And it was just a win they absolutely had to have because things could have really started to snowball on this team. you got the Bruins coming in here on Thursday. If you lose this game, how? No, you don't know how many in a row you're going to lose. So uh, they stop the bleeding, uh, pick up two important points, and uh, stay in the fight for a playoff spot. One other thing I wanted to add was just what a great job, especially Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev did on that top line of uh, Connor Shifley and Velarde. In their, the Jets' last game against the Vancouver Canucks, those three combined for nine points, which is insanity. In this game tonight, they had only one high-danger scoring chance for three scoring chances for, and then against six high-danger scoring chances against. 
13 scoring chances against. So when you make a line that is that dangerous, you make them play in their own zone, they're not going to produce from an offensive standpoint. So the Flames did a great job of shutting down that top line. It's uh, Pat Steinberg with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on your Flames Talk post-game show on this Monday afternoon. Family Day victory for the Flames. And uh, under uh, I, I felt like a, a few of the more recent times we've chatted to this gentleman, it's been after uh, some not-so-good evenings. So good to have Dan Lambert, Flames assistant coach after a nice win for the group. Dan, what what you like about the way your group stuck with it here this afternoon and uh, kind of didn't get away from the game, even as the scoreboard maybe did for a couple of minutes there? Well, I like the fact that we didn't, there was no, you know, no uh, give up, I guess, in our game. We, we continued to stick with it, something we hadn't done necessarily over the last little while. Um, you know, when you have a start like that, you give up two, uh, power play goals early it certainly puts you on your heels but you know I thought the was a huge goal our second goal was a huge goal then the power play stepping up and, and scoring a at a key time as well and and then you know we did have a, a big kill at the end which was was critical as well on a on a not so great call but you know we we, we stepped up and, and I thought that was uh, <clears throat> probably the turning point you know you look at the Jets power play and I mean there's just dangerous uh, from all five positions with those guys on the ice. How do you feel the group did in terms of uh, the penalty kills in the first period? And then you look at the one in the third as well uh, in terms of defending that. Well, I mean, on the first one, you know, <laughs> we knew that they liked to go low and, and, and find either the middleman or the, you know, and that he, he kind of fanned on it, which made our D collapse a little bit further and then they were able to get it above them. You know, so, I mean, it's one of those, a little bit of a broken play. I think it's not like we didn't know it was coming. Um, and then, you know, their their second goal was a one-timer from the flank that went off their guy, which didn't allow our our goalie to, you know, and then we didn't collapse the way we should have. So, I mean, little mistakes, and that's what good power plays do. They make you pay, and, and they did that tonight. Um, you know, and then at the end, I mean, they had a, a pretty quality chance back door also and and again we were there we tried to eliminate that pass but they made it because that's what good players can do at times the first of the nine goals that were scored in this game was scored by oliver shillington a it had to be great to see him score his first goal and pick up his first point since april of 2022 and b how have you liked him in the nine games that he's played since coming back um well i i i thought i think him and and brayden Pahal are, are really finding chemistry, um, you know, and I thought tonight they were especially good, not just because uh, Oliver scored, but just I thought that they they came up big defensively. They had some great breakout plays. They they quicked up a lot of pucks, which allowed us to stay in the in the offensive side of things. And and uh, but I've really liked Oliver. I, you know, I thought tonight was was arguably his his best game. And again, it's not. I thought his gaps were unbelievable. He was closing quick on defender or on uh, offensive players, and uh, and he he um, he was a difference maker tonight. We're chatting with Flames assistant coach Dan Lambert. 6-3 final Flames over the Winnipeg Jets on this family day Monday. The only forward line that, that stayed together for the entire afternoon, Dan, was the, the backland line with Mangiapane and Coleman. Scores the big goal a little less than uh, three minutes after the they went up 3-1. Mangiapane scores again. Seemed to spend all day in the offensive zone. Talk a little bit about 
what that does for a coaching staff, knowing you've got a line that you just know is going to go out and win the vast majority of their shifts, regardless of the situation. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's not like they're they're playing easy minutes. They typically see everybody's top players every single night, and and that line has been very um, consistent for us, I think, uh, throughout the year. And and tonight was, you know, they were a huge factor in, in us getting points, and and you know, we need that from those guys right now, and 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 we got it tonight which was great they got rewarded for all of their hard work as well because you know last couple of games it's not like they've played poorly they just they've had opportunities they just haven't finished and tonight they 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 did i wanted to ask about dryden hunt you look at him he's come off of a an injury and and stepped into the lineup and has played on some different lines and tonight gets put with uh sharon govich and huberto just what did you see from him or what have you seen from him since he's come into the lineup uh, he, he's looked really solid in my opinion and so just wanted to get your thoughts on him well uh dryden is a he's a competitive player and i think we need that compete at times and and he's able to bring that you know in junior he was a big time scorer and so you know he has the ability to make plays and and score goals but but i think what uh, what makes him valuable right now is the fact that how competitive he is. Um, you know, he, he gets into battles. He's not afraid of getting into battles, and he usually comes out with a puck or, or at least disrupts the opposition, So, and he's not afraid to be physical. So it's those things that, that are very valuable, and, uh, and uh, he's, he's done a great job, you know, since his injury or since being called up. Another goal and an assist for Jonathan Huberto in this game. He's now got eight points in his last seven games. He's got 19 points in his last 20 games. But I want to ask you about the process. What's allowed him to become almost a point-a-game player over the last quarter season? Well, you know what? I mean, confidence is a huge thing in this game, and we've talked about it before, you know, on on the radio. And um, when you're an offensive guy and, and, and you're not seeing the game the way that you have in the past or the way that you know you should, it's frustrating, and then that sets in as well. I think now he's starting to feel good about himself, and, you know, he's making the plays. I mean, for example, that play that he scored on today had it been when he was struggling he probably would have double clutched it overthought it and then you know done who knows what um he's starting to really look like um the old jonathan huberto and and it's great to see as a coaching staff um great to see for for the flames for the fans everybody i think he's you know we know he has that ability now finally Jacob doesn't get pulled very often. He did on Saturday afternoon. Um, I know that your group controlled most of this hockey game, but what did you make of Jacob Markstrom 60 minutes today? It felt like he had to make a couple of key timely stops to make sure momentum didn't swing. He sure did. I mean, he made a huge save. I believe when it was three-one shorthanded, it was a it was a two-on-one. It could have been on Monahan, on Monahan who, yeah. who could have been his fourth goal. Um, you know, and that was a and that shot was labeled, and and he made a you know, and that's one of many. But I, I think at this level, rarely um, do you win games without goaltenders making key saves, and and. You know, Marky's been doing that for us all year long, and and the fact that he got pulled that wasn't on him. That was, you know, we weren't there. So at the end of the day, um, like the pro that he is, that he is, he basically took an outing. Uh, didn't you know? Like it, he didn't sulk about. It. He just stepped up the next game, and and I thought he was fantastic tonight. Thank you, Dan. As always, appreciate the time. 
Thank you, man. Uh, that is Dan Lambert, Flames assistant coach, joining us post game following a 6 3 win over the Winnipeg Jets here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. As uh, I should have done the fist bump, I would have. I would have. <laughs> that was really the awkward. Trio. I know. I was going for the handshake, and you all did fist bumps. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Dan Lambert joining us post game 6 3 final. Flames over the Winnipeg Jets here at the Dome with uh, Derek and Megan. I'm Pat. Let's select today's hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working? plumber or HVAC tech Canyon's hiring send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com uh, Mick who are we going with well I first want to say that it's a good problem to have when it is hard to pick the hardest working flame that's so just want to put that out there I thought there was a number of really solid candidates uh, in this game Nazem Kadri obviously continues to be outstanding thought Mackenzie Weger had a, a really strong game as well especially look at his stat line uh, eight shot attempts six hits two block shots he played 22 minutes and 40 seconds so there's a couple honorable mentions Jonathan Huberto as well had a really good game but I just think that Andrew Majapani the way that he has played uh, just with the the intensity the battle level the compete uh, just going to the tough areas and just makes a has made a lot of really good plays out there as of late scored a beautiful goal today was plus four um, Five shot attempts, three shots, block shot. I, I thought he had a, a really good game, really liked his game. So, Andrew Majapani. He is your hardest working flame, brought to you as always by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Uh, so, the Flames snap their losing skid at three. Uh, they will uh, finish off this homestand on Thursday against the Boston Bruins before they do that. It'll be the uh, Ambassadors uh, Poker Tournament coming up on Tuesday at uh, Deerfoot Inn and Casino. Looking forward to that. Flames Talk will be I'm live terrified. on location. You'll be fine. It's so much fun. I'm playing my first ever poker you'll, game. You'll so. be Just fine, remember, I a pair a pair beats a f- Royal Flush. Just remember that. <laughs> okay. Get out of here. <laughs> what a jerk. Only if you're at my table does a pair beat a Royal Flush, okay? <laughs> Um, <laughs> on the marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota on the pregame show, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll hit this and then some final thoughts and hear from head coach Ryan Huska. But, you know, it's it's really interesting to me the the weird purgatory the Flames find themselves in right now. I mean, they're still in a playoff fight. You know, their playoff chances at, at most models hover between kind of 8 and 18% depending on the results. I mean, they're, they, they, they are still in an uphill climb. They still got teams between them. Playoffs are, are not the most likely outcome for them, but they're still in the fight. And in that room, they still fully believe they're in the fight, as they should. And yet, on the outside, we know Noah Hannafin's going to get traded. We know Chris Tanev's going to get traded. Who knows? Jacob Markstrom, I, I, I hear it's quite quiet right now on, on the Markstrom front and, and has been for a little bit, but who knows if that picks up again if if New Jersey or another team doubles back. Wilsey, it's a it's a really interesting time to even analyze wins because you know change is coming. You, you know that that is going to have an impact on the ice, and yet here they are. That was a really solid game against the Jets this afternoon, and they're still keeping themselves in the mix. It's just a... That was the marquee matchup. The volume's just going to keep getting ratcheted up as we move closer and closer. We're 18 days from March 8th, and they're going to have to continue dealing with some loud noise, especially when they're here. I mean, it's weird for me as the team's play-by-play announcer. It's weird for you guys because 
we're talking about it day in, day out. I know it's weird for fans, and there are some fans torn between wanting the team to go to the playoffs and wanting to retool or rebuild and uh, trying to turn themselves into a Stanley Cup contender for the future. Uh, but imagine how weird it must be for the guys inside of that dressing room who, outside of, I would say, a handful of games this season, including the last two, I thought did a really good job kind of blocking out all of that outside noise and just focusing on the, the task at hand, and that's trying to win hockey games. But you know, I had a great chat with the captain, Michael Backlund, prior to uh, today's game. It aired prior to today's game, and he, he said this time of the year can be really exciting if you're a team that is buying, uh, heading towards the trade deadline. But obviously, that's not the position the Flames are in. So he kind of talked about it, and I'm prefacing, but uh, basically said this is uh, maybe one of the more stressful deadlines that he's been a part of. And he's never been traded during his NHL career, and I don't think he's worried about getting traded Mm -hmm. between now and March 8th. But uh, him and his teammates are thinking about who's going to be here and who isn't going to be here once that deadline passes. So it it is a strange time for the organization. Certainly, they're in a different position now than they've been at any time during my 10 years covering them because they've either been a buyer or they've been a a team that, okay, if the right deal comes along, we'll sell somebody like Curtis Glencross, right? But they haven't been in a position to move out some of their top players. And they traded their leading goal scorer and point producer from a year ago, Tyler Toffoli, in the offseason. And now they've moved on from a guy who was their number five defenseman in Nikita Zadorov and their number one centerman in Elias Lindholm. And even though the Jacob Markstrom chatter has quieted down a little bit, he's been their most valuable player. So if I was a player in that dressing room, I would have a hard time wrapping my head around losing him and still realistically being in the fight for a playoff spot. And then there's the team's first or second defense pairing, depending on how you feel about and depending on how they're used in a a specific game of Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev. So that's a lot. So I I get the sense that the guys are looking forward to uh, March 8th and that deadline coming and going just so they know who's on their team moving forward. And uh, at least they can wrap their head around that instead of wondering and waiting about what's going to happen here. Yeah, I mean, if I'm a player in that locker room, I am, like, beyond annoyed (laughs) of the trade talk. Uh, As a broadcaster, I'm kind of annoyed by all the trade talk, even though I know it's part of our job to talk about it and to look at the different scenarios. But from a player standpoint, like, you really have no other option but to show up every single day and battle and compete. Otherwise, you're going to be absolutely miserable. And it makes nobody's life any fun to come to the rink every single day if you're going to come and you're going to show up and you're going to wonder and you're going to worry and you're going to think, like, let's just get this over with. So I give them a lot of credit for the way that they, you know, showed up today. They battled. They competed. Uh, And that's really, you know, if you're – you're going to want to set yourself up for success no matter if you're being traded or not. You want to set your team up for success. You show up to the rink every day and you have a positive attitude uh, and you work hard or else like it just makes your life miserable and everyone's life miserable and nobody wants to yeah. <laughs> to be a part of a club or be in an environment 
at all that is like that. So, you know, it, it's great that the guys, you know, give Michael Backlund and the leadership group credit for uh, galvanizing the team within that room. And you can see, by the way, the guys are playing like Chris Tanev, his reaction when he took that penalty in the third period. Like, he's obviously very passionate and still very invested in helping this team win. So, yeah. you know, for me, it, that's what it's all about is trying not to think about uh, any of that stuff. Just show up, have some fun with your teammates and work your butt off and, and play your best. It's uh, it's it's I, I honestly the the best the best case scenario for him now that we know how this is going to play out. And now that we know that, you know, when it's all said and done, other than Michael Backlund, of all those offseason UFAs, they're all going to get dealt. And and unless there's a dramatic uh, about face, you know, they're, they're all going to be moved. You, Toffoli, Zadorov, uh, Lindholm, and now Hannafin and Tanev. The, the best case scenario is what, what I've been saying going all the way back to, I want to say like October, November. Can they do something similar to what Nashville did last year? And that is stay in the fight, Mick, until right in the very end. They traded Granlund. They traded Eckholm, they traded Janot, they traded Niederreiter. All of these were other than the Eckholm trade when they brought back Tyson Berry, who they felt was just a huge infusion of positivity to their room and a big part of why they were able to stay in the mix. They got great goaltending from UC Saros. Their young players took the took the lead and they also had some of their veteran guys who who showed a lot of pride and they stayed they were the team that eliminated Calgary. They stayed in the fight longer than the Flames did even though Calgary finished ahead of them in the standings when it was all said and done to me that's kind of your best case at this point is you got to make the trades you got to make right yeah and you got to look for the big picture but that doesn't mean that it's automatic they fall out of this thing it could happen because you're taking away some really important players but if they can keep themselves competitive even after some of these deals to me that's the best case yeah and that's exactly what these players have said over and over again and the coaching staff and Craig Conroy we're going to stay competitive for as long as we can so uh, that's exactly what they're trying to do and so you know you're not out of it till you're out of it so I mean I I like the response today I like the game today and I like the level of compete and the way that they show up uh and have a positive attitude and and try to make as Ryan Huska said I like I give him so much credit for just his mindset of you know you come to the rink every single day and you have an opportunity to get better and to win a hockey game and that has obviously trickled down to this group Pat, in your opinion, what was the single biggest reason that allowed the Predators to stay in the fight for a playoff spot after they started to sell last year? I mean, it was probably Saros. He, I think he was 919 or 921 or something like that after all those deals were made. He was great for yeah. him. I, I, and the, the, that would probably be number one. Yeah, and I knew you were going to go there. That's why I asked you a rhetorical question because for me, it's all about Jacob Markstrom. Uh, if you trade him, with all due respect to Dan Vladar, and Dustin Wolf, he, he's just been so good this season. He's been their most valuable player. For uh, sure. Could one or both of those guys step up and uh, keep the Flames in games and, and keep them in the playoff race? Maybe. But uh, obviously, I feel much more confident that Markstrom can do that than uh, Vladar and or Wolf. As far as the other two guys go, I mean, if you trade, and I think they're going to trade, Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev, basically you're replacing what is a first or second pair with... Jordan Osterley and Dennis Gilbert. And again, with all due respect to Osterley and Gilbert, they are not Hannafin and Tanev. So I think it would be difficult, but impossible to say right now because we don't know what the Flames are going to get back for those two defensemen. They should get a lot back, but are they getting futures 
or are they getting futures and pieces that can help them win now and down the road? And when, when you look at the trades that Craig Conroy has made to this point, you could call two of the three deals hockey trades. Because for Tyler Toffoli, they got a future in a third-round pick. But they also got Yegor Sharangovich, who has been a first-line player for them for most of the season. And then in the Nikita Zordorov deal, you got futures. You got a couple of draft picks, but again, addition by subtraction, I suspect. And then in the Elias Lindholm trade, you get uh, a guy who can play in your top six and, and on your first power play and Andre Kuzmenko. Plus, you got two picks and two prospects. So if Craig Conroy makes those types of deals for Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev, then I think the Flames can stay in the fight for a playoff spot. But it's, it's all about keeping your goaltender. And, and if he doesn't want to stay, you might not have an option there. Uh, and about uh, bringing some reinforcements in when you trade two of your best defensemen. So we'll see where it goes, but I uh, give him a lot of credit for them finding a way to bounce back. So this was the Flames' 12th multi-goal comeback win since the start of last season. That's most in the NHL, and I do think that says something about the makeup of this team. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska post-game following this 6-3 win over Winnipeg on Family Day. Coach, what does it say about your team that uh, you guys came back from pretty early and a significant deficit? Yeah, a lot. I mean, that's... It's, it can be hard sometimes when you're not having success um, and it starts getting piled on a little bit. Um, but right from the beginning of the year, this team always has kind of stuck with it. So I think when you look at this game, the save that Jacob made um, could have made it 4-1 at that situation, and that's probably game over. Um, you know, and then sticking with it and finding a way to score that goal at kind of the end of the, end of the first period. And then from that point, I thought we managed it fairly well. So they have a good power play. And... Um, when we needed to, we came up with a really big kill at the end of the game. Oliver scores his first goal in a long time. How did it feel for you seeing it happen? Uh, great. I had a smile on my face, for sure. He's gone through a lot, so it's nice to see him come back and, and do that. And not just that, he's contributing in a lot of different ways. So it, it's good for him to continue to Is it, to is it neat to see better. that being like a coast-to-coast, -coast, like, like that, a really, really nice goal as opposed to kind of banking one off a guy? Sure, like absolutely. I mean, I didn't get the crowd going. People know who scored that goal, too. So I, I thought there was a lot of noise after that, which was really nice to see. So much talk this season, rightfully, about the young guys coming in. But I look at this game and I see Blake Coleman, Kadri, <coughs> Andrapani. Does it feel like a game where you really leaned on your back? Um, those are the nights when you need them to be the best players. I mean, your, your young guys can give you a little bit of juice from time to time. But when you need to be at your very best, you have to be led by certain people. And those are the guys that have to do it. So Naz was really good tonight. Huey was good. Michael's line, when we needed them to go, they, they shifted the game, I felt, for us. And, and that's what you need. What's, what's the message you're sending to Kuzmenko by putting it down on the fourth line? It's not even really a message. Like We're trying to find a little bit more rhythm. And the way we started the game with Connor in the middle of the ice just didn't seem for me like it was working. I, I, I feel like he's been effective with Naz and Marty. And I, I guess I just didn't like the way um, it was shaking out for him more so than anybody. So it's just one of the switches that we kind of felt like we, we had to make in that area. But it's nothing on him. And... Who knows what it'll look like the next game. Do you feel like your guys did anything different after it became 3-1, or was it just sort of a matter of doing what you want them to do and sort of sticking to your game plan? No, they stuck with it. I mean, as I mentioned, that goal that we were able to score off the forecheck was a big goal. And I think making it 3-2, it, it brings a little bit of life back because there's a lot of game left. So that was a, a big moment of the game. And then I thought we just continued to get better as the night went on.
That's head coach Ryan Huska postgame as the Flames take a 6-3 win over the Winnipeg Jets here this afternoon at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Okay, your family day phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Get in line now. Got a couple of lines open if you want to chat on your Flames Talk postgame show or fire us a text. Lots of text to get to at 960-960. We'll get there in just a second. But before we do that, time for some final thoughts from our broadcast team of uh, Derek and Megan, starting with Mick. Yeah, just a step right back in the the right direction. And I really liked what Ryan Huska said about, you know, those veteran guys stepping up. And that's when you really need them is when things are tough and you need to get back on track. And and so really liked, you know, the response and the leadership from a lot of those guys. And one thing we didn't mention was the fact that the power play scored. Like, and a big one, too. That was a big goal. Yep. So that was another really big plus for me. So just really like the way that the group played. Uh, the battle, the compete, and the desperation was a, a big one uh, for me. That's that's the way that this team needs to play if they're going to find some success and stay in the playoff hunt. Well, first of all, congratulations to Oliver Shillington. His first goal or point. Uh, dating back to April of 2022. It's been a long road back for him. I think he's getting better and better, and it was so good to see him score that goal. Uh, Congrats to the Flames on a really impressive come-from-behind win. Uh, When you've lost three in a row, and the last two were tough to swallow losses to the Sharks and the Red Wings, and then you take a one-to-nothing lead on that Shillington goal, and then all of a sudden a guy who you traded a couple of summers ago scores a natural hat trick on you, and you're down two. The way they were able to bounce back from that was pretty impressive. Uh, they got back to playing the right way and took the game over, and they score five unanswered goals to, to snap their losing streak at three and the Jets' winning streak at three. So that was an impressive come-from-behind win. And a great way to spend family day. Maybe my favorite crowd inside of the Sea of Red this season because the fans sensed the Flames needed some help, a little pick-me-up after that third Monaghan goal. And they started a Go Flames Go chant. And the crowd was into it from start to finish and just made it uh, a lot of fun to call this hockey game inside of Scotiabank Saddledome. So a fun game, great crowd, big win. And we'll see what happens between now and Thursday, if anything, as uh, we continue to wonder when uh, the next shoe is going to drop with this Flames team. But a big win today. Thank you, friends. Uh, See you on Tuesday. Good night. Uh, Megan Mickelson and Derek Will signing off on this Monday afternoon as the Flames take a 6-3 win over the Winnipeg Jets. Hey, call now, 403-240-4444. Text now, 960-960. As we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Your phone calls around the corner, your texts around the corner, and uh, more looks inside the Flames locker room. 6-3 final, Flames over the Jets. This is your Flames. Talk post game show, and this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960. The fan. The Flames Talk post game show continues from the Hot Stove Lounge on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Your final score here at the Scotiabank Saddledome Flames score five unanswered to take a six. Three win over the Winnipeg Jets as uh, the Flames bounce back nicely after a couple of ugly home losses prior. As we continue along on your Flames Talk post game show, happy.
happy Family Day Monday. Hey, we got a few phone lines open. If you want to chat on this Monday afternoon, why don't you give us a call, 403-240-4444. We can talk about the game. We can talk about trades. We can talk about where things are going. It's all on the table for you. Uh, so that is your phone number or the text lines open at 960-960. Our Flames Talk post games on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room. Number one star of this game is Nazem Kadri. Two goals and an assist. Let's hear from Nazem as you get in line on the phone lines. Here is Kadri post game this afternoon. So, Naz, what's your assessment of today's game? Um, pretty good. I mean, obviously a bit of a um, adverse start to the game, but uh, you know, we uh, we fought back, had a big goal at the end of the first period, and I think we never looked back. So, I uh, you know. We were the, uh, I thought, the better team tonight against a, a great hockey team. What was the key to battling back after that 3-1 deficit? I think just uh, continue to try to be free, uh, not be tight, try to, um, you know, attack, not be timid. I think that's uh, the name of the game. I mean, good teams, uh, you know, apply pressure, and then when they're up, uh, you know, they finish the game off. So that's what we did tonight. What does that response mean? So, like the storyline the past couple games has been how you maybe didn't respond to the adverse moments. Mm-hmm. So does that response today mean something? It means a lot. You know, I, f- I feel like we've uh, done that several times this year as well. Just, uh, you know, when things start to snowball and stack against us, we're able to kind of just reset and refocus and uh, pull out a big win against a, a great team. So um, very proud of the guys. Very uh, um, characteristic win tonight from uh, from everybody. Yeah, so you talked about just being a catalyst in terms of providing that momentum, a couple goals mm-hmm. today, especially that start of the second period to really kind of jumpstart things. For sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you, you obviously want to make a personal contribution and, uh, you know, get on the score sheet. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to uh, be able to play that you know, 200-foot game, and I think that's what I was most proud of, uh, you know, from everyone tonight. Um, a lot of plays started underneath their own goal line and, and transitioned into, into goals, so uh, very great, very good to see. What did you say about Jacob and, and him shutting the door after that after that first period? And yeah. yeah, I mean, it would have been easy, uh, you know, f- to, to, to let that slide out of control, but that's not the guy he is. He, he resets and he refocuses and he's a competitive, he's, he's one of the most competitive goaltenders I've ever played with. So, uh, you know, I can count on him to um, to reset and shut the door. Specifically speaking, you guys are down 3-1, Monaghan has scored three goals. How's the puck on the stick on, you know, a partial breakaway and Marshall comes up with that? It feels like it was a really key moment in the game. Am I wrong about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously giving up four goals in a period would have been, uh, you know, pretty tragic and, you know, he's, uh, like I said, you know, it would have been easy for him just to say, hey, I, I got an off night, uh, reset tomorrow. But he fights, man. He fights, he battles, and uh, we saw that tonight. After the third goal, do you feel like you guys did a lot of different things, or was it just a matter of staying out of the box and playing your game? Right. I mean, I think they they had a couple power play goals today, which, uh, you know, a couple of really nice plays. I mean, you got to uh, tip your cap sometimes. But, um, you know, for us, I think uh, – you know, for 50, 55 minutes, I mean, that was a, a you know pretty complete game from us besides, you know, a few minutes where they scored a few goals back-to-back. But uh, besides that, a uh, very, very good effort. Is it reassuring? Like, does it matter with everything going on, these last couple of losses? You guys know the attention in, in this market that this team has. Just to have your backs against the ropes and come back in and you know, keep punching and get the win, does it, does yeah. it matter to you? Yeah, of course it does. I mean, I... Uh, I'm not here to lose. I'm not here to lose games. None of us are. Um, you know, I can't stand that aspect of it. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that's uh, it's the name of the game. Someone's got to lose every night. And, uh, you know, you got to try to win more than you lose. But, um, you know, this is a top hockey team in the NHL. 
uh, in Winnipeg, and uh, we came out, we had a solid effort, yeah. and uh, we got the job done. Can you describe what it meant to every guy in this room, every guy on the bench, to see Oliver Shillington find the back mm -hmm. of the net there? Yeah, it's been a long time coming. You know, very happy for him. The guys are happy for him. Rallied around him, and you know, in pretty, uh, pretty sick fashion too. You know, going coast to coast like Bobby. So uh, it was nice to see, and you know, I'm, I'm uh, very uh, proud of the the journey he's had, and uh, you know, to, to come back and contribute is good to see. There is Nazem Kadri post-game following his three-point outing. Two goals and an assist. He led the way for the Flames in a 6-3 win over Winnipeg this afternoon here at the Scotiabank Saddledome as we continue along on your Monday Flames Talk post-game show as uh, we'll get to the text line the phone lines momentarily. Just one more stop before we do that, and that's the save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. Today's save of the game comes from Jacob Markstrom in period number one. Here's Zeri. After it in the near corner, he gets all tangled up with DeMello. He picks the puck up, but can't clear it out. And it's a bouncing in behind the net. Coleman gets tripped up as puck's picked up by Dillon. We'll move it ahead to Monaghan. We've got a 2-1-1. Monaghan with Perrin. Monaghan shoots, and Markstrom makes a marvelous glove save. That's the stop that Dan Lambert was talking about a little earlier. Uh, that would have been a fourth goal from Monaghan, and it was labeled for the corner, and Markstrom robbed him with one of his 28 stops this afternoon, and that is Jacob's save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. And, uh, you know, I... I, I felt like Jacob had a, a strong game. I know that it is not going to be the thing that we're, we're talking about most because Kadri had the three points and Shillington scored his goal. Monaghan had the three. You know, Manchapani and Coleman had big goals, but Jacob Markstrom very quietly was strong in this game this afternoon. Very strong. Because even though the Jets found themselves in their own zone more than in Calgary's zone. And even though the Flames were the better team in this game, Winnipeg was still very dangerous, and especially in the first period. Overall, they still generated 13 high dangers if you count in the power plays. And... Jacob had to be very sharp, and there were stretches where the Flames had the puck a ton. Jets got it and still created something very dangerous off of it, and Jacob was there to shut the doors. So Flames don't win this game if it was not for a uh, significant bounce-back effort from Jacob Markstrom as well, and he was very strong, so good for him in this 6-3 uh, Flames win over Winnipeg today. Okay, to the text line we go at 960-960. Starting with Cody and Drumheller, who says, Pat, is Uyghur wearing an A new for this game? I don't remember seeing it in the last couple. Yeah, they're kind of rotating through alternate captains right now with since Elias Lindholm being dealt. We've seen Coleman wear one. We've seen Uyghur wear one. So they're kind of alternating through guys now that Lindholm is no longer with the team and thus no longer wearing an A for the team. This from Scotty and Victoria. Well, that was refreshing, Pat. Who would have thought we could enjoy a Monaghan hat trick and a Flames win all in one game. It's days like today when I think uh, they should keep Markstrom. I'm so conflicted. Thanks, Pat. Happy Family Day to you and all Flames fans. Uh, this from Jeremy who says, unbelievable. Natural hat trick for Monaghan in the first period. Easy to see why the Flames were able to get a first round pick in a trade for Monaghan. Wait, what? Yeah, that's very fair. 
That one, uh, I, we all understand why the deal was made. We all understand the rationale to help make room for Nazem Kadri, who's been a very good member of the Flames as well, especially this season. But, yeah, it, it, the way that Monaghan has played the last two seasons, this year in particular, it's like, eh, that doesn't look the greatest right now. Looks great on Montreal, though. They get a first-round pick from Calgary and a first-round pick from Winnipeg for Sean Monaghan. That's called maximizing, hey? Um, this reads uh, from Leandro. First of all, really nice to see Lanny back. Glad he's continuing to recover well. Good bounce-back game from the boys this afternoon. They definitely had more fight and effort than in the last couple, which is what we're used to seeing, which is always nice. Uh, boy, oh boy, was Monahan buzzing. If this was Markey's last game as a flame, it was pretty good. He was solid as always. Hope you enjoy the rest of your family day, Pat. Happy family day to all the Flames fans out there. Thank you, Leandro. And look, I, I'm kind of... I'm, I'm I'm not suggesting that we won't see a Markstrom trade or we will. I just have kind of geared down the high guard on Jacob. It feels like that whole thing has really settled down since last weekend. It it got hot there, no doubt about it. And there's differing reports of how close it came. But uh, last time I've checked in from a few different spots is, and, and spots that I quite trust is that, yeah, it's pretty it's it's pretty quiet, not a whole lot going on on that front on, on Markstrom and the Devils. And again, that's not to say it couldn't pick back up. That's not to say that it couldn't be another team. But as of right now, I'm, I'm a little less on high alert when it comes to Jacob Markstrom. So uh, I'm a little less on the... Uh, that could be his last game. I would fully expect to see him start Thursday against Boston. But again, as Elliot Friedman always says, these things can change very quickly. All it takes is one phone call, and, and all of a sudden it's a different conversation. All of a sudden we're talking about, you know, it, it can go from not very close to very close in the blink of an eye. This says, hello, Pat. How do you figure out this Flames team? Well, we know they aren't going anywhere, but to win this game you shake your head. Since 1989, you shake your head. Uh, Derek in Edmonton says, rough start to the game in the first, digging a hole early. Nice to see them fight back and finish strong in the third. Oliver with his first one of the year was great. This from Josh, who says, awesome game here at the Dome. Man, Kadri had a fantastic game. I'm glad they could snap the skid. Finally, they did not need Markstrom to win it for them single-handedly. Defensive game was pretty impressive, especially in the final 40 minutes, Josh. I agree, and you're right. I, I still thought Jacob was very strong in this game. But also, Flames played really well in front of them. Um, this says, good bounce back game by the Flames. Not easy to score six on the Jets. Wasn't the Jets' backup goalie either. For whatever reason, the last two or three years, Connor Hellebuck is no good against the Flames. He is gonna. It's going to be him or Thatcher Demko who wins the Vesna Trophy this year. And he is a perennial Vesna Trophy candidate. But for whatever reason, his numbers and his performances recently against the Flames and in this building specifically, can't wrap my head around how poor he's been against them. Uh, this from Dave and Altador. Incredibly inconsistent team, but really good today. Solid effort. As an aside, any idea what the Flames are thinking with Shillington for next year? Uh, yeah, my belief is is Shillington will be back next year. He is a pending unrestricted free agent, but I know that there is a, a lot of gratitude from the Shillington camp in terms of how 
how this whole situation over the last 18 months or so has been handled, dealt with by the Flames, how supportive, how empathetic, how on his side they've been the entire way through. I don't expect Shillington to be playing anywhere other than the Flames next year. I don't know what that contract looks like. I don't know if they just go one year at the same salary. You know, he deserved that 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 contract, right? He's played really well this year, um, and he's really starting to come into his own. I don't know what that deal looks like, but I fully expect Shillington and the Flames to to uh, extend, and, and I, I'm not expecting him to be anywhere other than in, in Calgary for next season. Uh, this reads, do you think there's any possibility of moving Kadri at the deadline? If I was Connie, I'd seriously look at moving that deal to open up cap space. Treliving was crazy for signing, to a con- signing him to a contract of that length. Just wondering your thoughts. That comes from Doug H. Uh, I, I would doubt it before the deadline. That's a big number to bring in even with potential retention um, at a deadline but is it something that I could see in the offseason potentially yeah it is um, because I mean Kadri's been their best skater I believe from start to finish this year with a, you know the Coleman's in there Uyghur's in there uh, but uh, Kadri's been very very good for them this year and uh, and and he leads them in scoring. He's been a catalyst more often than not. He's been a driver more often than not. Um, so yeah, I, I do. I, I do think he's been great for him this year. In saying that, if this is a group that's pivoting, a 34-year-old Nazem Kadri who's won a cup already, I don't know if that's something that he's the keenest to remain around for. So I don't think it's out of the question that that's something that we're talking about come this summer. Feels more doubtful before the deadline, though. Jeff in Lethbridge, I'm happy to hear of Lanny's recovery. He was one of my hockey heroes when I was a kid and truly has always seemed to be a great person. His 66 goals one year was an inspiration. This effort would have made him happy on family day as he truly still cares about this team and how they relate to the fans bang on Jeff and Lethbridge on everything you said there I agree wholeheartedly with everything this reads wow Jets laid an egg today um yeah I mean they they were this is this was not the Jets best and and that doesn't take anything away from the Flames at all but the the Jets were way off of it and I think you can understand why they just had a head-to-head you know big-time, all-Canadian marquee matchup two nights ago against Vancouver, which they won 4-2. to This was prime letdown territory for Winnipeg. I think that on their side, there was a letdown. That doesn't take anything away, though, from the consistency the Flames played with in this victory. This reads, Tanav's the bomb, don't trade him. At this point, it's going to happen. They're going to trade him. You know, Tanev, I, I think Tanev is, is keen to try somewhere else as well he wants to win a Stanley Cup he's 34 years old too and and he knows that that's not where it's trending here so you know even if I'm a Flames fan I'd be like yeah I want to see with with the bumps and bruises and scrapes and missing teeth and trips to the uh trips to the trainer's room that Chris Tanev has put out there for the Flames over the last four years I'd want to see him go win a Stanley Cup too they they are going to move them. That's it's it would be a stunner at this point if they don't. It's you know we we don't believe there's been contract talks between the two in in quite quite some time. So as much as 
there's plenty of reason to talk about keeping him. The direction this thing is going, you know, you should be expecting him to be moved at some point for a pretty nice return. Alex writes, I don't think we're talking enough about Kadri's season. Minus that 10-game stretch to start the year, Kadri and Coleman have probably been this team's most consistent forwards, but also leaders. If Kadri wants to stick around for the retool, then I think he'll be a valuable role model to the up-and-coming players. I also really hope this management team doesn't give up on Anderson just yet. I know this season's been a step back for him, but he'll be a good piece to build around on the back end, and even if his ceiling ends up being a 2-3-D. I agree on all that, actually, Alex. Um, this from Rick in Lakeview. Great way to hang in there. Gutsy game from the boys today. Two big things. I'm not a religious man, but Connie may have heard my prayers to pull Markstrom off the market, and Huska ditched the shirt and tie under the sweater with a swoot suit thing. Critical move. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily been Markstrom being pulled off the market. I don't think he was ever truly on the market, Rick. I think that New Jersey came with an offer and they discussed it, but I don't think they've been uh, intentionally dangling Markstrom. It's not the same as Hannafin and Tanev who are pending unrestricted free agents. This read Pat, reads, Pat, love the effort nearly top to bottom. Nice response to the last couple. Hoping tonight's a one-off for Kuzmenko and not the norm. Kadri looks like a man determined to will this team to victory almost every game. Loving the way he's playing. Now, I hate to bring this up after a win, but when do you suspect we might see the next domino to fall in terms of players traded away from the team? I, I don't know when. I mean, sometime between now and March 8th. Um, but I think we're. it feels like you're now just on high alert with Hannafin and Tanev on a daily basis. I'll say that much. Kyle in Citadel writes, a different team to watch. It's almost as interesting to see which side of the team will play as it is to see them win. Of course, I jest, but it paints a picture. It was nice to see them keep their composure, battled back, worked for every inch, and the goals came. It's a drastically different team to watch when they play with confidence. I've always loved watching Monaghan play, so it was a bittersweet first period, but they got the win, so feels good all around. Thanks, Pat. Have a great rest of your family day. Thank you, Kyle. A few more. This from Ash. I had a feeling the Flames are still going to win despite trailing 3-1. I thought Kuzmenko's demotion to the fourth line was concerning. Also, I still don't understand why Ben Jones never gets called up despite being second on the Wranglers in scoring. He plays center as well. Do you have any intel on this? Well, now that Rooney is... Rooney was signed to be an NHLer and Rooney getting healthy. You know, remember, they had Ruzicka, they had Dubé. You know, they, they had guys that were in spots, and now that Ruzicka has been claimed, obviously Dubé's no longer with the team for, for the reasons that we're aware of. Um, it opened the door for Rooney to come in. If Rooney didn't work out, then I think Ben Jones, Clark Bishop, one of those two guys, now Bishop's hurt right now, one of those two guys would have gotten the opportunity um, had it not been Jones. But I, I don't think Ben Jones is off the radar because he does kind of translate or, or profile as a potential nice NHL 4C if they need it. Stafford at the Dome says, well, I didn't leave after the second period today. The squad looked resilient this afternoon. I guess the question I have is where was that the last two games? Once again, the L Elevate against contenders, but failed to do those. Uh, do the same with those below us in the standings. Can't wait till the Conroy correction is completed in the off season. I'll be expecting a more consistent team next year and one with a stronger identity. Right now, we still don't know uh, who they are as a team. This reads. Um, <laughs> 
Stephen Vancouver Island says, really enjoyed the game. Oliver Shillington's goal was an absolute beauty. I hope that's a sign of things to come. With all the trade rumors happening right now with the team, I'm curious to know what type of current roster player you think Craig Conroy should trade for. Do they trade for a veteran goalie if Markstrom goes to help mentor Wolf? Do they get a sorely needed high offensive player? Do they get a decent current roster D-man to cover the gap of the two they're going to lose? I also want to make a comment. I find it annoying when Calgary fans say that they want the team to get younger and build for the future and then hear from callers or read on social media uh, fans diminishing or devaluing the current young players like they did to Dustin Wolf after that loss, like knocking his size. Look, the guy is going to be a good goaltender in the NHL. We live in such a I-want-it-now world, but if you're a true fan of this team, you know that these young players will develop into elite pros, but it'll take time, take a breath. I'll end with a shout-out to Kelly Rudy. Listening to him during his commentary on the game today brought me back to a lot of good memories I'd spent in the Saddledome years ago at practices chatting with Kelly. He's a real character guy and never afraid to take uh, time out for a fan. We need more guys like that in this league. Well, first of all, Steve on Vancouver Island, uh, we need more people like Kelly Rudy on the planet in this league, in sports, uh, in Calgary, in Can- Like He's just such a gem human being and, and honestly, one of the uh, I, I don't know if he truly understands how many people that um, he's kind of led on the right path to how you go about your business in this industry. Because um, I've, I've, he's been around and and doing this job in some form or another ever since I've been on the beat. And, you know, he he's like a straight-up model for so many of us just in terms of like how you go about your business how you handle yourself how you just the 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 everyday way that you just conduct yourself in this industry kelly rudy's the gold standard all day every day um as for the uh dustin wolf stuff i i still agree it's way too early to determine what he's going to be in terms of what type of roster players conroy brings back i still think he's a guy that is is interested in and i still think management is interested in uh the the kind of younger nhl ready player um in the 21 to 25 age range in there I also think is something Conroy's interested in similar to Sharon Govich in the Toffoli trade I know that Kuzmenko is older that was more of a salary thing to make the Lindholm move work but I think you know Hannafin or Tanev more so with Hannafin in a deal because it might just be picks with Tanev we'll see but in a Hannafin deal I think if they could get that 21 to 25 year old roster player, I think that's something that Conroy is is going to very much be looking at between now and the March 8th deadline. Keep the text coming at 960 960. Always appreciate them. And uh, now let's get to the phone lines for the first time this afternoon. Happy Family Day. Phone lines are open at 403 240 4444 as the Flames take a 6 3 win over the Winnipeg Jets. It's Steinberg along with you. Flames talk post game on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Greg is kicking us off this afternoon. What's up, Greg? Hey, Pat. Um, well, a couple things. Uh, obviously, great to see a, a, a big win. Better uh, showing today than we've seen the last couple of games. Uh, I guess before I get into the game or, or trades or whatever, I guess just pick up your comment on I'm thinking about the culture of the Calgary Flames and, and the people surrounding the Flames, people like Kelly Rudy and Lanny McDonald and, and just so many alumni around town. I wonder, you know, how much that affects uh, in a positive way 
players wanting to play here and, and mentoring young young players in terms of playing properly and, and, and ultimately, obviously, uh, wanting to build a championship. And you have great great people like Conroy and Aginla around. And, and uh, so, I don't know, I just, I just, you know, we get a little caught up in the numbers sometimes, and I just think that, that kind of culture, maybe soft stuff sometimes, gets a little underplayed. But I think we're pretty lucky here in Calgary to have, uh, have, have that kind of that kind of scenario here for uh, our young players. Agreed. Um, and I think, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a lot of just straight-up quality human beings in and around this organization. I, uh, I, I will vouch for that all day, every day. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. So, so I'm curious on the, on the trade front and just, you know, I, I read some of our kind of claims are getting back into that you know, asset accumulation phase, I guess, if you will. And, and you know, the, the debate about young, young roster players, like you were just saying, uh, or you accumulate, you know, draft picks. It, NHL and say the NFL, but I wonder if we accumulate a number of first and, and maybe high second round picks, do you have a chance to move up? So as it stands now, we've got our, our pick, which is, you know, 10 to 15 probably Vancouver's pick, which is, I don't know, 25 to 32, I guess you could theoretically see Hannafin and Tanev maybe delivers another one or two of those, maybe Markstrom. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got like three or four first round picks, you know, how feasible do you think it would be to to package those up and move up from that, you know, 10 to 15 spot into the top five somewhere and, and to get that real superstar, you know, asset that we seem to be missing. I would say not impossible, but not likely. Uh, We have not seen a pick in the kind of top five change hands in in so long and and i can't remember the last i remember i did the research on this recently like about a year ago um but it, it's been it's been a really long time since we've seen even a top 10 pick move we've seen a few of those moves but that high like in this day and age as as general managers and, and hockey personnel become more and more acclimated to working with a salary cap which i mean they've been doing now for the, the better part of 20 years but or almost 20 years anyway but it just because drafting and quality young players are more important in the salary cap world than they ever have been prior you know it just it's tough to it's tough to acquire one of those picks so you know what i think is more likely as opposed to that greg is i I think it's more likely that you could package some of those things up and acquire one of those younger players like a 21 22 year old player think what vancouver did when they so they traded bo horvat to the new york islanders got a nice return for horvat which included a first round pick and then they used that first round pick as part of a package to get philip ronick good young defenseman and he's been a huge part of what the Canucks have been able to do this year as as they've turned into one of the NHL's best teams. So that would be, I think, the more likely scenario as opposed to being able to pick up one of those top five picks, which is just so rare in this day and age. So that's the best way. I don't think it's impossible, but it just is, is something that I would say is personally I, I would not call very likely. Yeah, all right, great. Yeah, great, great point. I mean, it's it's a weirdly exciting time. I mean, looks like probably we're not going to have playoff hockey this spring, and if we do, it's not likely to have a deep run. But it, it's kind of nice uh, to have something to be kind of excited about. I, I was 
annoying my family with uh, how excited I was for the uh, Lindholm return. Uh, and you kind of make do with what you got. Uh, but it is uh, an interesting and exciting time, I think, to be a Flames fan. So let's hope they can, uh, let's hope they can build and, and, and get towards the championship in the next uh, few years. Appreciate the call today, Greg. Good stuff, eh? Have yourself a great rest of your family day. You too. Happy family day. Thanks, Greg. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames win 6-3 over Winnipeg as we say hello to Stuart on our Flames Talk postgame show. What's up, Stuart? Happy family day. Um, I'd have to say the highlight of the day, everyone's already spoken to it, had to be that Shillington goal. Man, yeah, what that a was smile neat, from hey? that guy. Yeah. Just spectacular. And better yet, it wasn't in a losing cause. I thought it was going to be, but it didn't end up being. Agreed. That is also good news. <laughs> but here's my, here's my question. Here's my concern, which I'm sure is shared by most. Um, this team is, is maddening, right? They beat Boston in Boston. They beat Winnipeg today. Then they lose to San Jose and they get absolutely killed by Detroit. I mean, how far away are we from being a competitor in this league? Uh, depends what you what, – how do you define competitor, Stuart? Well, certainly, uh, I guess uh, when I ask that question, how far away are we, I'm kind of thinking about how far are we away from being a Stanley Cup competitor. Right. And I don't, I don't think we're going to be one this year, clearly. But I don't think we're as far away as a lot of people think. I think we're probably two or three seasons away. I'm not saying it's uh, guaranteed by any stretch. It's probably not even probable given that everybody else is trying to be a Stanley Cup contender as well. But, man, this core of players, I think we're three or four players away and a lot of good luck and everybody being healthy and having momentum and great goaltending from being a Stanley Cup contender. So there's a few things there. I think that, um, number one, they're going to need to handle this next you know, just under three weeks, very, very well. Um, they're going to need to make some really important deals and and get the right returns. That would be number one. Um, and so Craig Conroy, I think, has done a really good job of that so far and now has two more huge trades to be made. Um, and, and maybe more, but I, th- I think there's the, the two with Hannafin and Tanev that we look at. Um then you know needs to the, this this year's draft the the 2025 draft he's going to have like they're going to have to be big drafts and and we're going to need to continue see continue seeing some of these young players continue to progress like Azari can he take a step next year uh what about the what 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 about a Coronado can he take a step next year and and be a little bit closer to a full-time NHL or so on and so forth. So so I think that they have some important things that need to happen in the next. I, I think the timeline for me is about three and a half years. That uh, correlates with the opening of the brand-new building in this city, and, and I think that is a, a really good timeline to be focused on. I think it's the timeline the Flames organizationally are working on as well. So you've got, you've got kind of a finite timeline. You've got a blueprint in terms of how you want to get there, and so we'll see how they do end up going about that. I'm really interested, too, to see how they are able to make this happen, but I think that they have got the opportunity to be in a much better spot in the fall, let's say, 2027. I so hope you're correct. It would be incredibly exciting with a new building and a very competitive hockey team. I'll just finish with this on the... I think from my perspective, Markstrom has 
earns um, whatever he wants. If he wants to be traded to a Stanley Cup contender now or over the summer, then make it happen. If he wants to stay here and try and be try and lead us to the promised land, absolutely let him and let Wolf back him up, and we'll see where we get. Anyway, thanks. Have a great family day weekend. Thank you, Stuart. Good stuff, man. And I agree wholeheartedly on that. Like I, I do think that with the the service that you've gotten from Jacob Markstrom since he's been here, I I absolutely agree that you know he he's the type of guy that I think has has earned the opportunity to kind of you know if if he wants to be here, well then yeah, keeping him here would be awesome. But if you go to him, which I think the Flames will probably do again this offseason um, or before the trade deadline. We'll see. And and really gauge how he's feeling about things. And and he's more interested in competing for a Stanley Cup at, at his age and what's left on his contract. Well, then I think that you owe it to him to to kind of try to facilitate that. So I, I'm with you. I think Jacob Markstrom has been a great flame. And so the, uh, the his, his future is going to be really interesting with this organization. 403-240-4444 is your phone number as the Flames take a 6-3 win over the Winnipeg Jets this afternoon. And we say hello to Dave. What's going on, Dave? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with those two guys are probably gone, but if, if Jacob Markstrom wants to stay, that would be good to Tudor, Duff, and Wolf. But if he really wants to be traded, they should try to talk to Toronto about it. Um, I, I don't, I don't mind that. I mean, I think Toronto could be a, a decent spot for him. They'd be a little bit more difficult salary wise, just with how tight they are on the cap. But I think it would be a yeah, good no, fit. Because, you know, that's the only thing that I mean. Like I said, I'm not a Toronto fan. I'm a Canadian fan and a Flames fan. But that's probably the only thing that's holding them back is the goaltending. They could use, uh, they could use a better blue line as well. They're not the. Uh, the yeah, but I mean, their goaltending is terrible. It's actually been better of late. Yeah, but I mean, overall, it's been terrible year after year. Yes, and, uh, agreed. Because I mean, there's no there's no problem with Dustin Wolf because he succeeds everywhere he plays in every every league. And uh, considering he was one of the fourth or fifth last players ever picked, that's probably going to be the biggest success story at that position ever at that low a pick. Uh, H- Henrik Lundqvist might have something to say about that. Yeah, but he was only the what the fourth or fifth pick from the bottom. Lundquist was quite deep as well. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think he was that far from you know one of the last five picks. I don't think so. Um, he was a seventh Might round pick. Two, round, he was but... he was two hundred and fifth overall, and Dustin Wolf was two hundred and fourteenth overall. So they were oh, nine they picks were in the last round then. And Henrik Lundqvist, um, you know, is in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, he, he might have something to say about that. Yeah, well, I, I don't even think about him because I'm never I'm not a Rangers fan, so I don't keep track of those guys. All right, well, good night. All right, Dave. Have, have a good night. That's a funny way to wrap it up. I don't care about him. I'm not a Rangers fan. Uh, tra- and I'm, I think Dustin Wolf is going to be a success story. I'm just saying, you know, in history, it might be Henrik Lundqvist who has that crown. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Following a Flames a 6-3 win over Winnipeg. Travis is up next. Hello, Trav. Hey, Pat. What's up, um, buddy? Not much. Didn't get to watch the game. Really, I listened to it a bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't I, It'll be nice just when kind of the trades are all done and 
Trav, you still there? Yeah, sorry. Hey, it uh, caught me off guard. I'm getting on so fast. Hopefully my Bluetooth doesn't kick on in my car again one second. But, um, yeah, you know, once the dust settles, that will kind of be nice for the team, I think, because there's obviously some some good leaders on, on the team that actually, you know, want to want to. And there's obviously a lot of distractions right now around the team, right? So I think it's probably pretty tough to come in every day and just that's all you hear in the news is the trades that are about to happen. So we'll kind of be nice to see the new direction of the team and to see those trades happen sooner than later. Yeah, and I think that I, I think everybody in the locker room would agree with you. I think they're um, as as sick of it as anybody else, and and rightfully so. I mean, they've been hearing about this and getting asked about this nonstop. So I think I think they're also uh, very weary of it and would love to have this all done with as soon as possible. So, um, and and the good news is is that. It's 18 days. I mean, the, the decisions will be made in less than three weeks at the latest. So, so Patty, what do you think we do on defense? Do you think once you move these two players out, obviously are you, for the Hannafin, you're probably hoping to get a younger defenseman back in trade? or If you or, can, but you know what? What if it's a younger center? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't be a younger defenseman. I'm just saying I don't think it has to be. They got the younger defenseman in the Lindholm trade, right? They got Prestavich. Um, so, in in that in that sense, I think that you know it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, a younger defenseman that comes back in a Lindholm. Uh, sorry, in a Hannafin trade. If you're able to get a younger center, that might help fill a need as well. But if they do get a younger defenseman, then maybe we see that person get into some games as well. Uh, before the end of the year. Um, the other thing is is that, you know, I, 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 I think there's a potential anyway. Like, if they get a first-round pick from Toronto, I still look at Toronto as a real interesting stocking horse for Tanev. So if they get a and, – and I think that there's a decent chance that, that Craig Conroy's trying to wait out his old boss and, and trying to see if they can get that first-round pick from the Maple Leafs. So so if that's the case, and, and say that were to happen, but say or, – or whoever, let's just say that Tanev gets a first-round pick, I don't know how much um, – how much more on top of a first-round pick you're going to get for a guy like Tanev. So you might not be getting that type of player in that deal. So if you know, you may, maybe you don't get a young defenseman back in a deal, Trav. Maybe it's a situation where you, Tanev gets you a first-round pick maybe, and then you get a young forward for Hannafin, and that's what you end up getting. Well, in that case, then you're – really relying on Pahal and Shillington as your second pairing all of a sudden, potentially. Uh, and then you're probably bringing in for the time being Osterley and Gilbert. And then I think that it's interesting to see if, you know, do, do we see uh, Brustavich get into an NHL game? before the end of the year? Do we see Poirier get into NHL games before the end of the year? I mean, it opens up some really interesting conversations. Um, is what is Poirier's timeline to come back? It's getting closer. Like he's skating again. Okay. Yeah, I guess that that'd be intriguing to see. Obviously, we've all kind of wanted to see that for for a while, and I'm sure if he didn't get hurt, he probably would have seen a game or two already. I'm sure. Yeah, you know? I think so. Um, 
And then I guess we have Slovy off, or I'm probably not saying it right, and then we do have Jan Kuznetsov in the minors too. So I think, you know, there's a couple other players there. But uh, it, it, it would be nice to see a, a intriguing forward with some, you know, with some high-end upside. That, that'd be nice to see as well, I'm not going to lie. Because um, I think we've kind of always had, like, decent forwards, but we've never had, like, like a high end forward, if you know what I'm saying, kind of like Coronado's a, you know, projects to be maybe like a how player, how far but... back are we going? Does Hall of Famer Jerome Ginla count? Okay, no, fair enough. Yeah, I'm just talking like maybe in the last ten years. Here, okay, you know? that's why that's why I wanted to ask like how far we're going back because you know, I, <laughs> I thought I thought Jerome I thought Johnny Gaudreau was pretty good. Um, I, I thought you know he had 115 points one year. Um, you know, so I I guess it depends on how far we're going back. So I guess I just cut it Johnny sometimes, even though he's a really really good player for us. Um, um, yeah, so maybe I just cut it him a bit, but. Jerome McGinley obviously is my favorite player of all time, so um, there's, there's no no slouch in a player there. But uh, it is intriguing what uh, Craig is going to be able to do because, you know, it, it's kind of trending in the direction of having three or four first-round picks if he moves all the pieces. Um, so it, it's pretty intriguing to think for, for this franchise – no, I don't think it all. They, they, they're not all going to be potentially in the same year, right? Like there could Fair. be there could be first round picks that are acquired in future years. Doesn't just mean they're going to be twenty twenty four first round picks. It's a great point. Yeah, I never thought of it like that, but uh, it's a great point. But you know, either way, we should have a two or three. We already have two, so yeah. You know, is it out of the realm of possibilities we're going to have another one? Probably not. Yep. Um, do you think Markstrom gets moved here before the deadline? Um, I'm less like I, I I'm like fifty fifty on that one. I think at this point, I don't think it's out of the question. Obviously, that there's there's some sort of um, that there's definitely interest from one team in getting it done. Of course, we know that. Um, I just I, I'm curious to see if there is any chance that this New Jersey thing that we're, you know, there's conflicting stories about how close it came. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if that can be rehashed. If not, I don't know if there is going to be another spot that Markstrom ends up at. It might be a situation where that's an off-season thing that they tackle. So I'm like 50-50 at this point on, on Markstrom. I'm far higher on Tanev and Hannafin. That's fair. And what do you think for Wolf for the rest of the season? Obviously, that was a tough night the other night. I don't completely blame him either. Um, you know, it's it's tough for him to come up and down and play spotty games here. He doesn't even get a chance to get comfortable. So what is, like, the projection moving forward and developing Wolf into a regular NHL goalie for us? And I know it's tough because we have two guys signed, but what do you think the proper path is to to really see what we have in Wolf? Well, I, I think that there will be a lot of change at the position this summer. I do. I, I think there could be a potential that um, neither Vladar nor Markstrom is back next year. Um, I, I think that there is a, a decent potential for that to be the case. Uh, so I think that you're going to see a lot of uh, a, a very different goaltending position for the Flames. I mean, they, they've got um, they, they've got some pretty decent talent 
in the minors. I know they, there's obviously Wolf. I know they really like Connor Murphy. Who knows if, if there's anybody else that, that gets signed um, between now and the end of the season from some of the other spots, right? So I, I, I just I think there's a good chance that the goaltending position looks very different next year. If, if Markstrom's not here, um, I, I think there's a chance they might look for a veteran goaltender, see if they trade Vladar too. Like I just I think there's a lot of I think that the position is very much in flux. The one area where I don't think it's in that much flux is their desire to have Jake uh, sorry Dustin Wolf as a full time NHLer next year. Now it's important to note, and I know that this has been talked about uh, before as if this is the case, but uh, Dustin does not need waivers next year. He remains waiver exempt next year, which is important. So if the Flames wanted, they would have the ability to continue uh, shuttling him back and forth without needing waivers but I don't think that's what the Flames would like to do. I think they would like to make room for uh, Dustin for next season. What do you think the over-under of 25 games next year for Wolf? What do you take the over or the under? Uh, I'd go over on that. Over? Fair. That'd be good to see, obviously. Um, There's obviously so much potential there, so um, it'd be really nice to see him turn into a to our long-term starting goaltender. That'd be pretty cool to see, I think. Um, Yeah, I don't know, Pat. We'll just uh, continue to watch this season unfold. And um, I think we'll just keep the highs and lows. Right? We'll deal with the highs and lows because that's what's going to happen. And that's what a mediocre team does. They're they're inconsistent at times. And, and, um, you know, that's all. All right, Trav. You have yourself a good day, man. Happy family day. Same to you. Thank you. Thanks, man. We'll take one more call before we go back inside the Flames locker room. The phone lines remain open, though, at 403-240-4444. Text line remains open at 960-960. It's time to say hello to Anand. What's up, Anand? Good evening, buddy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic win tonight uh, by the boys. I love the game, especially the past couple setbacks. We had a fantastic game tonight. Uh, first of all, I just want to congratulate Shillington uh, for his first goal as a returning NHL Flames. Uh, that was amazing to see on that beautiful breakaway. I like how he hasn't even missed one beat ever since his return, so that's fantastic to see. And my next point, uh, Sean Monaghan, um, I know he was a former Flame, uh, but I haven't really watched his game as a former Flame, so can you walk? Uh, walk me through a bit of his background on uh, how he was like a flame and then how did he get transferred to Montreal Canadiens? So uh, what happened was, well, first of all, Monaghan was um, back in 2013 uh, when the Flames... So the, the Flames had this this stretch of time where it was kind of the Jerome Aginla, Mika Kiprasov era. And oh. and so Jerome, and, and that, that started in the early 2000s. They went to the Stanley Cup final in 2004 with, with Conroy and Jelena and some other mainstays in this city. And, and some other players moved on, but the constants up until 2013 were Captain Jerome Aginla and were goaltender Mika Kiprasov. Well, uh, they traded Jerome Ginla in the spring of 2013. Um, they also traded Jay Bomeister in the spring of 2013. And then 
Mika Kiprasov retired uh, shortly thereafter, so it was kind of the end of an era with the organization. And so what happened was the Flames went to the 2013 draft with three first-round picks, and their first pick at number six overall was Sean Monaghan, and and he was the guy that kind of kick-started a new direction in this city, and um, he started his career with the Flames in the 13-14 season, scored 20 goals as a rookie, then he and Johnny Gaudreau started uh, this long, long stretch of time playing together. Um, They they were uh, best friends on and off the ice, and and, you know, Sean Monaghan was kind of this guy that that started a, a new hope for Flames fans and was the first guy that gave fans hope that there could be life and and um, there there could be success after Jerome McGinley. Uh, and then, you know, injuries took their toll and he became a less effective player in Calgary because of all the injuries he played through, all the injuries he needed to deal with. Eventually, after uh, Matthew Kachuk and, and Johnny Gaudreau left the team in the summer of 2022, the Flames went out and uh, traded Monaghan to Montreal to make room for the mo- the money they needed and the cap room they needed to sign Nazem Kadri. Uh, he went to Montreal, had a good season last year, but got injured and wasn't able to complete it. He's had an even better season this year. So Winnipeg traded a first-round pick for him, and now he's a member of the Jets. It's actually a, a really good story for Sean uh, to see how yeah. far he's come. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, a great member of the Calgary Flames. Yeah, thank you, Pat, for walking me through that history. Yeah, definitely most of the era which I may have missed. Uh, so thank you for walking me through. And then... Yeah, I've been loving uh, Blake Coleman recently at Texas Tiger, Nazim Kadri, his power play goal, and the final seal goal that he had, and then Manju got on the scoreboard as well. Uh, my another question for you: Do you think we should be concerned? Uh, so I know uh, Ryan Huska put uh, Chris Manko in the fourth line at uh, right in hand. Do you think that will be tried for the next couple of games, or do you know how it will look? Um, I don't, my, my guess, I, I don't know that for sure, but my guess is yeah. that, um, they, they put Kuzmenko back with Huberto, um, but we'll see. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know if Kuzmenko on the fourth line is something that they're going to look at to do permanently. I just don't know if that's how he profiles best in this game. They were looking for a little spark and a little chemistry, so they made that move, but I guess I would not be expecting that to be a permanent thing. Okay, gotcha. And then, yeah, Hubert, though, this is uh, credit as well, uh, that shot he got on the goal, so that was fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much, Pat, for the chat, and I just want to uh, say as well, I'm glad that Lani McDonald is recovering and he's back at home. Uh, so good news on that friend. All right, thank you so much. Have a good night, and talk to you on Thursday. Have a uh, good family uh, day, long weekend. Thank you, Ann and Appreciate it, buddy. As the phone lines remain open at 403-240-4444 after a Flames 6-3 win over the Winnipeg Jets here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. And Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame show. Let's head back inside the Flames locker room. Just heard Ann talk a little bit about Oliver Shillington. Lots of talk about how cool it was to see him score his first goal since his return was his first goal since April 18th 2002 in a 2022 rather in a game against the Chicago Blackhawks so uh, awesome to see first goal in almost two years for Oliver Shillington and it was a beauty let's hear from Oliver post game inside the Flames locker room 
So what what did you see on that play? The seas parted for you. I saw ice, so I just tried to take it. Uh, yeah, saw ice, tried to take it, and then use uh, what I could with it, and uh, I'm happy to win in. What's your first Real thought when it went in? Uh, just happy emotions, I would say. Uh, thought it was just good that we got a lead, and then yeah, I was just happy in general. I know it doesn't matter in the moment, but like, is it at all? Looking back on it, better that it was a nice goal as opposed to something ugly. Ah, goals are goals. I mean, uh, now it maybe turned out to be a little bit nicer than maybe some some goals you you make. But I'm just happy it went in, and I'm uh, very happy that we won the game. How do you said you look like Bobby Orr? <laughs> that was a nice compliment. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm Bobby. It's just the Bobby. It's a one of a kind. But uh, I just try to take ice and use. Uh, what I'm good at, and uh, today it went in. Were you waiting for that one? Were you thinking about when you, what was it going to feel like when you got your first one and you came back? I mean, I wasn't thinking about it. I mean, I know that uh, uh, points and goals and, and whatever will come, but, but I just try to focus on what I can control, and that's playing the best of my abilities, and, uh, and I think I've uh, progressed every game, and I thought I've, uh, I've uh, showed that I can still play, so uh, I've just in general. And how'd you feel about your game overall? You had that, I think, a chance in the second period where your stick broke in the slot. It yeah. like you were all, all around it all tonight. No, I, I just feel, I felt good in the games past too. I just try to uh, trust uh, to what I'm good at and, and just try to apply that every game and, and uh, help my teammates and, and just uh, be uh, an energetic player out there and uh, just uh, rely on my uh, abilities. It seemed like you still had the vertical on the celebration. You got pretty good you got a pretty good jump there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I have pretty good jumps. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I haven't, I haven't looked at the replay. I'm not sure what I did, but uh, I guess I, I still have some jumps. So yeah. What does it say about this team to be able to come back under some pretty adverse conditions? No, I, I think it shows, uh, it shows a lot. I mean, we've we've had tough stretches of games in, in the past year, and, and we've been down, and we haven't showed any character. And I, I think today we really did. And I know that this group can show character and, and we just have to understand that we have to do that for each other to to win games really and uh, and be you know be uh, consistent about it you know? Oliver what can you say about Jacob and, and you know it being 3-1 he essentially shuts the door the rest of the way what can you say about his his place in it this afternoon? I mean we love Jacob we love Marky he's, he's a great goalie I would say he's top three goalie in this league so I mean Everyone will have bad bounces sometimes, and we all we always have uh, his trust, and uh, we know that he can save games for us. So, I mean, I thought he was uh, very good today, and I, I I thought he saved those pucks he, he should have saved. You just talked about you know showing that you guys can bounce back from adversity and fight back. Do you guys need to show that to yourselves at this point? I think hockey's in, it's a game of uh, being consistent, and if you're not consistent, you're not going to be a winning team over time. So. I think we just have to remind ourselves that we have to be consistent to be a winning team. And I think we've shown that in the past, but we haven't been as consistent this year to, to be a, a winning team uh, over time. So I think we just have to remind ourselves that, that uh, we have to work for each other and, and understand the fundament fundamentals of the game. 
That is Oliver Shillington postgame. He scored 419 in the first period, his first goal of the season, first goal since his return, and first since April of 2022. Awesome to see from number 58. It's time to select today's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic, and going to go with Blake Coleman today. I thought Coleman was a real um, tone setter in this game for the Flames as uh, he finished the day with three shots on net, had the big goal that started the run of five unanswered for the Flames. Six shot attempts, four scoring chances and one high danger chance and then he and his line with Michael Backlund and Andrew Manchapani were on the attack all day long. I, I honestly... I don't think there is a number one line on the Flames. Um, I really don't. I don't think I would point to any of them as that's the first line. But I do know there's a most important line. There was one line that stayed together all game long, and it was the Backland line. They were a 60% possession line. They had a zone start of just over 41%. They were out there for two goals, four, none against. 11 scoring chances, four, three against. Five high danger chances, four, one against best line on the ice today was the backland line with Manjapani and your player with heart Blake Coleman this afternoon and the player with heart brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office visit heartfit.ca uh, let's go inside the Flames locker room for a final time this afternoon. Jonathan Huberto, goal and an assist, and the game-winning goal in this one today. Let's hear from Jonathan post-game inside the room. Jonathan, what does it say about the character of this team to come back under some pretty, uh, some pretty heavy deficiencies in the first period? Yeah, I mean, um, I think we, we know what we can do, and I think it hasn't been easy, you know, for us lately. So I think for us to come back like like we did tonight shows a lot of good things about about our team. And uh, you know, that was a big game for us. We knew it. Obviously, didn't didn't start the way we wanted, but you know, stuck with it and you know, came back at a really good second. Can you take us through your goal? What did you see on that play? Um, I mean, obviously, Sharky tried to pass it, and the defenseman kind of was in the way, and then. Uh, Raz made a really nice pass and kind of just had to, to put it in. Did you call for it all or did you just know it was coming? No, I don't really call for the puck. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't like calling for the puck. So if he, but Raz is a, has good vision, so obviously he made a nice pass. Well, you guys about Jake and Mark from a million different ways, but you guys are down 3-1. Monaghan scored about all three. has the puck on the stick. He's closing in, and, and Mark just comes up that close. So is that turning point of the game? Yeah, that's huge. I mean, you know, like you said, I think uh, that was a good way for him to Come back here, obviously, a hat trick in, in the first. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think that's, you know, you can bend, but you don't want to break. And, you know, that's what we did. And I think, you know, Mark, you made a huge save there that kept us in the game. In the past two games at home, the bend did sort of turn into a break for you guys. What was different today? Um, I think, you know, we, we, we got to believe in ourselves, even in these tough times. And I think, you know, at home, I think you know, there was a lot of energy in the building today. Uh, today. And, uh, you know, that I think in the second period we came out much harder. And I think we, we, we came back. And it's got to feel good, you know, for a team. Do performances like this against a team of that caliber build that belief you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's, a, you know, we've got to go on a streak. And, you know, th th this is the time I think we would beat a really good team. And we've got to take that, take take all the positive of that and come back next game and win this one. What's the, what's the feeling when you see Oliver score that type of goal, first one in a long time for him? Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, he's been through 
a lot of things wasn't easy for him, you know, the past year. And for him to come back and playing at this level, it's pretty incredible. And to get rewarded tonight with the, his first goal, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And it's just fun to see a smile on his face. I'm sure it would have been pretty cool if it had been an ugly goal, but is it added at all? That it was so slick. Yeah, he's, he's got some poison. He was like <laughs> a defenseman. I think he thought he was going to pass and just kept it. Uh, and really nice back in Chelsea. There you go. There's Jonathan Huberdeau post-game to wrap us up inside the Flames locker room. We've heard from Jonathan. We've heard from Nazem Kadri. We've heard from Oliver Shillington and head coach Ryan Huska. Plus, uh, joining us live, Blake Coleman and assistant coach Dan Lambert. Comprehensive, as always, on your Flames Talk post-game show. Let's look ahead now. Uh, looking ahead is what's up next, and it's brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. This homestand wraps up Thursday at home to the Boston Bruins. That is a 7 o'clock face-off right here on Sportsnet 9. 60 the fan will be on the air at six with your flames warm up and it'll be live on Sportsnet West on television second and final meeting between the flames and Bruins this season Calgary took the first meeting 4-1 earlier this month coming out of the all-star break on February 6th that snapped a three-game losing skid head-to-head against Boston as well so see if the flames can um, continue that on their one two and one in their last four head-to-heads against Boston um after that, Saturday, they're on the road in Edmonton for a one-off road game. That's an 8 o'clock hockey night start. And then Tuesday night, back at home to kick off a three-game homestand against the Los Angeles Kings. That is Looking Ahead, and it's brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Back to the text line we go, starting with Chris B. in Glamorgan, who says a couple observations and a couple questions. Observations, I noticed that once the team went down 3-1, the fans really got behind the team. This reaction's a bit of a reversal of what I normally hear or see when listening or watching the games from home. Question, was there a noticeably high amount of younger fans today? Do you think because there was a larger concentration of younger fans, we saw a more optimistic crowd? If so, how do we get more crowds like we had in that game? It was a different vibe in here. I'll give you that Chris there were far more younger play, younger people here uh, far more kids here it was family day and Flames leaned into uh, the family day promotion for this game. I uh, remember I walked by the 300 level. You know, it's been kind of sparse at different times recently. 300 level on the side I was on was absolutely jammed. So I think there were more younger players, uh, younger people here. Yeah, there were more kids, more children watching the game with their parents. And so I think that absolutely played a part in, in you know, the atmosphere in this game. Chris, you could absolutely be onto something on that front. Uh, Jeremiah in Regina says, Pat, I gotta say, the goal that Shillington scored made me beyond smile. All of the trade noise and inconsistency aside, that was awesome to see and is going to be a highlight of the season up there with his uh, return. Also, our Bucks better get Evans signed soon. I think they will. Um, I, uh, I, 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 I just can't see Mike Evans playing anywhere but Tampa. But then again, you know, Julio Jones left and played elsewhere. You know, we've seen it. Jerry Rice played elsewhere. I'm not I, – I, I would like to see Mike Evans finish as a buck. I still think he's a damn good receiver. 
I hope that that's how it ends up going. Uh, Brian writes, just wanted to say what a great interview with Shillington. I'm so impressed with his attitude, and wow, he's so articulate even in English. Fabulous. I remember the first time I ever spoke with Oliver was on the draft floor at the 2015 draft in Florida uh, when the Flames selected him in the second round, and I remember thinking to myself, Here is, uh, here's a young man at the time, who would have been 18, who is obviously speaks Swedish as a first language, and and was so articulate then as an 18-year-old sitting beside me on the draft floor. I was like, this is some really articulate stuff from the young man. So, yeah, he's always been a great interview. Always just a really, really um, enjoyable player to talk to. Um, this says... Um, so for Kuzmenko, does his no-movement clause translate to his new contract with the Flames, or can he be moved by them now? Well, he he still has a – it's not a no-move clause. It's a limited no-trade clause for Kuzmenko. But, yes, it, it does still remain now that he's a member of the Flames. The contract doesn't change. It's just the Flames absorb the contract. Uh, but, the, yes, it, it does still have a no-trade clause on it. Uh, this says uh, Huberto's game changed for the better after – after the Lindholm trade. In fact, the whole team played great on the road. Lindholm knew he was going to be traded for months now. It appears to me that he must have been a buzzkill off the ice. Once he left, it seems like the old regime has now handed the team over to the new regime in which both Huberdo and Kadri have now comfortably taken over. Do you think Lindholm could have been holding the team back? That's from Kevin B. in Silver Springs. I don't want to say holding the team back, but I do believe there was a significant amount of noise and distraction that hung over the team while Lindholm was having his fate decided. I also think that the uncertainty was weighing heavily on Lindholm as a player, which you wear, right? And when a player is wearing that type of uncertainty, I I think it can also rub off on a room. So I don't think there was anything done on purpose. I don't think that uh, Lindholm was a poor teammate or uh, unprofessional or anything like that. I think he was uh, a, a consummate pro. He still cared. He was still engaged. He was still invested. I just think that the uncertainty weighed on him uh, maybe more than it's weighing on guys like Tanev or Hannafin right now. Um, what else we got here at 960-960? Uh, this says, Pat, what kind of team do you think Conroy would like to build? Will Conroy use the franchise's historical template as a model, or will he try and rebuild in a different direction? Well, that I don't know as of yet. I think that we know um, that we're talking about him wanting to go younger, and, and I think he'd like to have uh, some more skill on this group. One of the things that I think Conroy, and, and from talking with him, and, and from what I know, I do think Conroy really emphasizes or prioritizes or covets kind of that. Um, trying to think of the right word. Heavy skill. I think he really likes guys who can play with a high level of skill but also bring a little edge to the game. I think those guys are, are very high on, on Conroy's wish list. Um, and, and there's lots of guys like that in the league or or. I don't want to say lots, but there are definitely guys like that in the league. And, and so that, that would be, an, and I think that that's one of the big reasons why Hanzik was targeted by them. I think they like the physicality and kind of the snarl that Hanzek's able to play with. So, And that was the first first round pick that we saw from uh, Conroy, even taking a look at some of the other players. You take a look at Suniev, who they were really excited to draft as the player they got back in the Toffoli trade, or the pick they got back in the Toffoli trade. Same thing. So I think there's a little bit of that that 
we'll see as, as Craig continues to build the team. Um, this says Corey and No Brighton. How about if they trade Vladar now and then trade Markstrom in the off season and then just sign a veteran goalie to help mentor Wolf? Could absolutely uh, be the uh, be the way this goes. This says they better hang on to Markstrom. All this Dustin Wolf talk reminds me of Trevor Kidd, and we know how that turned out. Well, I'm not really. W- I'm not ready to throw the towel in on Wolf or compare him to Kidd or anything. I think there's a lot there. And again, if Markstrom wants to go elsewhere and if Markstrom wants to be a part of a team that is going to compete for a Stanley Cup, I think the Flames absolutely should and will try to um, facilitate that for him. It's, it's not just a Flames choice necessarily here. This from... Um, Brad in Calgary who says, what planet am I on? He's earned the right to what? Being Markstrom. In one of the biggest series in two decades for the Flames, the guy came apart and didn't find it again for 14 months. Yeah, we owe him big time. Give me a break, Pat. So Brad, not a Markstrom fan. Okay, Brad. that's You're entitled to your opinion. We can disagree on it. Uh, this from Mick who says, the Flames have all the pieces they need but an elite number one center like Elias Pettersson and an elite number one D-man like Quinn Hughes. So how could they get those two pieces? Well, Mick, we know drafting of course um and we'll see where the flames end up drafting this year and and potentially trying to uh acquire somebody like that in a trade and and maybe you can get a player who profiles like that in a Hannafin trade like here's here's a perfect example for you Mick and I'm not saying that the flames will do this or they'll have the opportunity but what about the deal that Minnesota pulled off like and and Mick I hope you're still listening and Mick's always listening so I, I hope he still is um he's one of our uh, he's one of our best and and most engaged listeners and and even though we argue sometimes when he calls in Think about the deal Minnesota pulled with L.A. a couple years ago. Uh, Minnesota traded Kevin Fiala to the Los Angeles Kings, and the trade looked like this. I'm just going to go pull pull up all the particulars right now of that trade. So um, Fiala went to the Kings, and L.A. gave up a first-round pick in the 2022 draft, and some kid by the name of Brock Faber. Brock Faber is a Minnesota product who was drafted by the L.A. Kings in the second round of 2020, was probably not going to sign by L.A., uh, sign with L.A., rather, and Minnesota got him back in a Fiala trade. And the Kings have liked Fiala, and he's been good for them, but Brock Faber is a 33-point rookie defenseman in 55 games, averaging more than 25 minutes a night, and looks like a number one defenseman. And Minnesota traded for that guy. You know, Could you get somebody like that in a Hannafin trade? A younger player who we don't know at the time of the deal what he's going to end up being, but somebody that your scouting group has a really good book on, whether it's a D-man uh, or a center iceman. Could you do that in a Hannafin trade? And, and could you bring a player like that in a Hannafin trade? That's the type of thing that you could also do. So drafting, of course, and they'll, they'll have multiple first-round picks this year, maybe multiple first-round picks next year. We'll see how high their first-round pick is, so on and so forth. But in some of these moves, like what what is Bristavich going to be? Could he be that Brock Faber? Maybe. Why not? Look at the numbers he's putting up in the Ontario League. Could he be that for the Flames? Maybe they get a forward, a center in the Hannafin trade, and could so so that would be another way, Mick, that that I would answer that question. It's a hell of a it's a it's a really fair question though. Um, 
Sam from Lethbridge says, I love that game today. My family and I made it in person, and it was such a joy to see so many goals and a strong effort. Wondering what your thoughts would be on the potential of moving Hannafin to Buffalo in a trade that included Buffalo's first-round pick this year. Seems like the Sabres are at the point where drafting might not do as much good as acquiring a solid player, and it would give Calgary likely another high pick. It's all assuming it's a sign-and-trade for Hannafin. That would be my only issue. I don't know if Buffalo would be high on the list for... Hannafin and re-signing. That would be my only issue on that one, Sam. Otherwise, it's fair, but um, I just don't know if that the, the re-sign part is as realistic. Adam from Aspen says, I'm quite perplexed as to how many fans would like to see Kadri moved. He's consistently their best player and adds a competitive level that's infectious for their young players. He's the perfect player to help lead the young players through a retool. You only move him if it benefits the team and, of course, if he wants out. Uh, that would be my only question is, is is he on board for a retool? And if he is, I think that you're bang on. Uh, this says, who's the GOAT when it comes to prep and being a pro, Rudy or Mike Rogers? Uh, neck and neck. I'm going to say 1A and 1A. Um, they're, they're both awesome. Um, and then, um, you know, terms of terms of prep, sorry, I almost lost my voice there. Apologize for that. Um, in terms of prep, then there's always the GOAT of broadcasters as well. Not former player, but just straight up broadcasters. The GOAT, Peter Marr, nobody prepped more than, than that guy did. I've never seen I've never seen prep like Peter Marr, the way that he prepared for it. It was just unbelievable. Uh, he taught me very early on, if you use 10% of your prep, over any given day, then you've done enough. And I have lived by that mantra for the last literally 20 years since uh, Peter Marr and Rob Kerr, um, you know, kind of uh, impressed that upon me. Um, This says... Do you think there's any chance for a Monaghan Flames reunion in the summer, a free agent center, and in all likelihood they made it a placeholder at sea, as I believe Sharon Govich and Zeri are likely wingers long term? I don't know. Maybe. That would be pretty cool. Uh, That would be quite neat. Um, I don't know if it is necessarily likely, just based on ages, but... Pretty neat, that's for sure. Uh, This says, first off, congratulations to Markstrom for his 100th win with the Flames. This team is a Jekyll and Hyde, but if if I was a first-round team that played them, I'd be concerned. This team rises or drops to the level they're playing against. They won't be an easy team to beat. Regardless, this team, even though I love them, needs a bit of a shakeout. Lastly, shout-out to the Flames Ambassadors Charity Poker Tournament. So much goes back to the community without much notice. I'll be there happy to support this team no matter what. This reads, Pat, can we say they're rebuilding if they trade Markstrom? My vote will be not to trade him under any circumstance unless it's two years from now. Well, they won't trade him in two years because he'll be unrestricted, but I I feel what you're saying. Um, I do think that that will feel like a little bit more of a rebuild if Markstrom gets traded. I I will say that. Uh, A few more texts here at 960. 960, by the way, uh, that came from uh, Turrell in the Tokes, in Okotoks. Brian in Northwest Calgary says, great game to watch. 
Calgary played with a lot of pace. I thought Winnipeg gave him more space and played slower than Calgary's two previous opponents. Detroit and San Jose played faster offensively and defensively, which caused Calgary some problems. Winnipeg allowed Calgary to enter the ozone, holding the puck instead of the forced dump and chase. Calgary entered often holding the puck and setting up for long possession time. Also, Calgary certainly was stronger on the boards with many one battles. Manjapani was great, one of the best of the season for him, a very enjoyable game to watch. Uh, our buddy Brian in Pitt Meadows says, Pat, that was an awesome comeback win. I just feel like a yo-yo being a diehard fan of this team. It's been up and down like this since 2005. What are they going to do? This team has been such an up-and-down team and finishing 22nd at the end of it. Uh, I think I can speak for a lot of Flames who are banging their head against the brick wall. How do we get out of this two-decade funk? Well, I think that's what Craig Conroy is attempting to do right now and, and doing things a little bit differently than they've been done over the last two decades. Uh, Jared in Okotoke says, seems like after the debacle on Saturday that the media really confronted the elephant in the room to the players and coaches, the pending trades. The players seem to play more free today after the coach and players dismissed the distractions and they put their money where their mouth is. Really good to see, and it reminded me of when they played after the Lindholm trade, hopefully more good games to come. Uh, this says they can stop the Jekyll and Hyde show any time now. And finally, from our buddy Dylan in Revelstoke, imagine paying a first-round pick to dump one year of salary on a guy you should have allowed to heal in any of the 15 chances you had just so you could sign a worse and older player to a deal that's too long and too much money until he's retired. The Flames had some absolutely, of course, Dylan's talking about letting Monaghan go to Montreal and signing Kadri. The only thing that I would push back on is Kadri... I don't think is a worse player than Sean Monahan. Monahan's been great. He's got 36 points this year. He's been awesome. Kadri's got 45 points this year and, and has been Calgary's best forward start to finish. Anyway, back to the text. Um, the Flames had some absolutely abysmal management for a decade. Uh, at least Conroy seems to be taking drastically better decisions this far. For the first time in a decade, I go to bed at night knowing the GM of the Flames isn't going to completely ruin them with bad or lack of decisions. There you go on the text line at 960-960. Always appreciate your text. And now we head back to the phone lines following a Flames... 6-3 win over the Winnipeg Jets here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Three more calls to wrap us up. It's Steinberg with you on your Flames Talk post-game show, starting with Miles. What's going on, Miles? Hey, Pat. How's it going, man? Happy Family Day weekend. Happy Family Day, bud. Uh, I didn't get a chance to catch the game today, uh, but I watched uh, both the Detroit and the San Jose game. And like many of the textures you just went over, I'm kind of getting of this Jekyll and Hyde and playing down to our competition, but at the same time, I understand it. Like, you have to keep in mind that, like, I feel like in the sports media, a big thing is that uh, a lot of the personal part of these guys' lives gets lost, right? Like, we got to remember everybody's human. Last year, Markstrom had a really down year, but he also had his first son, right, or first child, right? Yep. So, you yep. got to keep in mind all the personal things that are going on with these guys, and also, all the changes this organization has gone through in the last two or three years, everything's been flipped on its head from coaching to players to management, right? The arena deals, it's been a pretty busy time in the city of Calgary for the Calgary Flames. So I just would like everybody to keep that in the back of their head that, like, even 
even though this team always wants to stay competitive and we always want to push for the playoffs, and that's great, the team is still planning for the future now, and we need to keep that in mind, that it doesn't have to be a, we're going to win a Stanley Cup or we're going to finish dead last and get the first overall pick. We can make it work in the middle. And I think that's lost on some people, and I love the direction that Conroy's taking things so far. He hasn't been uh, impatient with any of these moves. He's been really smart with how he's dealing with these assets. I loved the return we got from Vancouver. Uh, Kuzmenko's a guy that we can put in the lineup right away. He fills a little bit of a gap for us. He's also a player that had a down year in Vancouver, right, like Sharon Govich had with the Devils last season. And just a change of scenery might do tons for him, right? Um, seeing him on the fourth line today, you know, that happens, right? Where assets are moving in and out, players are moving up and down the lineup. We have injuries. It's going to have to happen. And like Huska said in his post-game presser tonight, um, there's going to be more movement and he might not be there next game. So I'm really looking forward to this trade deadline. I've been a lifelong Saints Flames fan and uh, I'm just in my mid-20s. So a lot of my fandom has been through that tough stretch from 2012, 2013 and on. Um, and I'm just really excited about the direction of this team finally. And I'm thinking that the highest pick we're going to hold in this upcoming draft will be our own. Um, and depending on where the team finishes, a prospect that really intrigues me and I'd like to get your opinion on is Tija Ginla. Yeah, and I, I get it. Uh, I And I know that, you know, that's a prospect that really intrigues a lot of Flames fans, and, and for good reason, for two reasons. Uh, number one, obviously the bloodlines and, and who, who his dad is. I mean, I think there's no doubt about that, uh, and, and rightfully so. Um, but also, that's a really good player, and, and putting up really good numbers, and, and a lot of people think that, he could be one of the uh, better players that comes out of this draft. I think it would be an awesome story. I do. Uh, I do worry a little bit about the pressure that would come along being a member of the Calgary Flames organization with the last name of Aginla. That, that feels like might uh, put a little bit of pressure on the young man. Um, but um, I, I, I think that based on where the Flames could end up drafting, he could be a guy very much in their wheelhouse come the draft. Yeah, I agree completely, Pat. I think it's the pressure would be there, but um, also I think it would be a great story for Calgary hockey as well as the Aginlas. Um And with the way he's trending and moving up draft boards right now in rankings, I think if the Flames can grab him at a decent spot, um, it would be a really smart selection. And yeah, with the direction the team's going in the next few years, I hope that with the trend, um, with how we've been developing players lately, um, that things would all go well. And uh, I just have one final point to make here, Pat. Uh, all the Dustin Wolf talk and about how, well, we haven't seen him play in the NHL and the Trevor Kidd comparison. Well, he won two goaltender of the years in the AHL, and he was the MVP of the league last year. Trevor Kidd did not accomplish half of the things this kid has been doing in the AHL. And it's not going to be an overnight transition either. Like, just like everything else, we're... We just got to sit back a little bit, and I know that's hard to say in this market, but be patient, Flames fans. We're, we're going to get there. I have faith in Conroy and the direction we're moving right now. All right, Miles. Good stuff, man. I appreciate the call today. Thanks, Pat. Have a good rest of your night, man, and uh, looking forward to the trade deadline here.
Yes, absolutely. Me as well. Thank you, Miles. And and the other one other thing I would bring up on uh, the Trevor Kid Dustin Wolf comparisons. Um, Dustin Wolf also wasn't uh, drafted in front of future Hall of Famer Mar- Martin Brodeur. Uh, that also I think is important to point out. Dustin Wolf was a seventh round draft pick too. Let's let's not forget that. Uh, two more calls. Let's say hello to David. What's up, David? Hey, Pat. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, man. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, Sean Monahan and how we gave up a first to get him out, Montreal. Yeah. On a first to get rid of him, you know. What do you kind of think? Is that what you expected? Did you see this happening? Or no, I no, to get I didn't. I, I did not. Um, you know, in hindsight, it doesn't look great. I still look back at that and understand why Brad Treliving did it. I still am on board with the Nazem Kadri signing. Um, and I think Kadri has been great for the team this year. Um, but he is older than Monaghan and, and is on a seven by seven and, and Monaghan is on a much more palatable contract going forward. No doubt about it. I think, I think in hindsight, maybe, Maybe doesn't look as good. Well, definitely. Okay, not maybe. Definitely, one hundred percent doesn't look as good as as the Flames were hoping because Monahan has had this massive resurgence, and and I'm really yeah. curious if that would have happened here. I don't know. Probably because more than anything else, this has been a health thing. To to Dylan and Revelstoke's point earlier on the on the text line. So, I guess looking back at it. I still would have tried to sign Kadri, but maybe I would have tried to do other things to try to um, open up that cap space as opposed to give up a first-round pick, yeah, which Montreal sure. still still doesn't have. They're, they're still um, going to get it um, and, and, yeah. and give up Monaghan. Maybe in hindsight I would do that. Like I, I'm still fully on board with the Kadri signing but maybe the way to create the salary cap space in, in hindsight. I was for it at the time, and I don't typically like to be that hindsight 2020 guy. I understand it, but this this one looks rough. There's there's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, he was one of my favorite players growing up. And, uh, yeah, just coming to see him score a hat-trick was kind of cool. Yeah, it was it was neat to see, and I know they ended up losing, but uh, the the giant smile on his face was pretty cool to see too. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to be it for uh, David. I don't know what's happening with his phone, but we'll uh, thank you, David. Appreciate the call, and we'll wrap things up by saying hello to Bob on our Flames Talk post game show today. What's up, Bob? Well, Pat, after uh, five years of not following the show, I'm last man standing uh, two games in a row. And uh, look at that! You know, you, you you cheered me up there on uh, on Saturday because I was I was feeling pretty down, and I'm I'm not quite feeling that way uh, today. I hope it. Um, my next my next game is. Uh, the Kings next week, and I hope it um, uh, doesn't. Uh, I hope I feel like I did do today. But uh, did you hear at one point in the game uh, a "Go Jets, Go" chant? Yes, um, I believe I did. I don't know if it if it came again, but 
what struck me about it was, I think in general, hearing that chant uh, brings out a very much different response than the go least go chant, which irritates most of us <laughs> tremendously. Yeah. When they're playing here. I, I just want to know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I mean it was it was louder in here from a Jets perspective than I can remember in quite some time. I would say you've got you've got like your your obvious ones, right? Like you've got the the four teams that when they come in here, you know, it it, it gets loud as the opposition team. Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, Edmonton. When 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 those four teams play here at the dome, you know it's going to be loud for the other team. And then you've kind of got that second tier and and Winnipeg's kind of fluctuated, um but I I would put Winnipeg at the head of that second tier, and this is the loudest I can ever remember Jets fans in this building, and for good reason. The Jets are a really good team this year. Like This is a great year in Winnipeg, so you understand it, so maybe more Jets fans felt a little bit like, hey, I, w- I really want to be there and watch them play, um, but I've always felt that like the Jets, um, maybe the, the Bruins, um, there's a couple of other teams, sometimes the Senators, um, um, there's there's one or two other teams. Red Wings have, have always had it that when they're here, it gets loud for the opposing team or louder than it would be uh, for the opposing team. But no, it was loud in here. Um, and, and I give Jets fans credit for coming to watch their team play. They're, they're a little bit more of a difficult team to dislike, though, right? It's because they've been in the league for such a – like it's, it's still been a, only been a decade since they've been back or whatever it is, and they missed their team for so long. So – and, and and so many. The other thing is, is that so many Jets fans now, Bob, became Flames fans in that twenty years while Winnipeg didn't have a team. So when Winnipeg lost their team in the late nineties, so many Jets fans became Flames fans. Uh, a lot of Jet, a lot, a lot of Manitobans were already living here in in Calgary or or moved west to Calgary in those two decades. So then they're they're still they were Jets fans, but they didn't. Have have a team so they became flames fans and then all of a sudden they got the team back and and obviously would return to being a, a fan of the jets so you know i i think there's a little bit of that 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 makes it a little easier to stomach too well let, let me go back um to probably before you were born but maybe not when uh, the flames first came first came here and the jets came into the league um after being in the WHA. Yeah. Uh, we played them eight times a year. Yeah. Just like we played the Oilers and the Canucks and um, and the Kings, actually, because Oilers and Canucks and Kings were always in the um, Pacific. Yeah. And um, in those series, uh, all the games, there was usually at least one back-to-back and quite often two, like play here and then play in Winnipeg the next night or the next game. Yeah. And Winnipeg had a a strong team, even though they were out of the WHA, because they had Dale Harichuk, who oh, was yeah. a very great player. 
the 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 Flames and, and Jets. And Bob Asenza was the goalie. Yeah. And uh, I'm just talking off the top of my head. I don't remember the other guys, but they had very strong teams in Winnipeg. No, absolutely, they did. Uh, what Teppo Newman was there and near the like they they were they 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 and and the Flames and Jets had some really good playoff battles. Like they were the they were the Smythe Division kind of. They were the the unfortunate in a lot of years number three. Now I wasn't alive for this, but I've kind of turned into a bit of a um, I, or not for all of it anyway. I would have been really young for a lot of it too, Bob. But um, I, I've kind of turned into a bit of a Flames history nerd over the last half decade. I do a lot of research in the off season, going back and looking at different things, and I've put together this this date in Flames history document over the last five years. And and you know the the Jets were kind of that third team in the Smythe division for so long like the Stanley Cup ran through Alberta for the better part of the 1980s when the one of the Oilers or the Flames were in the Stanley Cup final I think in like eight nine consecutive years or whatever it was and but Winnipeg was always that third team and they could never get past both the Flames and Jets uh sorry the Flames and Oilers and but they sometimes they beat the Flames in the playoffs they had some really good playoff battles between the two teams Edmonton and Winnipeg had some interesting playoff battles so yeah it's uh it's 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 cool to see the Jets back it's uh no doubt about that and I, I finally I just my last word here is I just want to say that um, um, I don't know if Peter Marr was a formal mentor for you, but you were a very good mentee. Well, I hope so, and no doubt, I I would say that if I were to uh, write down a a list of mentors, uh, Peter Marr would be right near the top, no questions asked, Bob. Uh, Just an absolute pleasure to uh, be kind of, just to glean off the Hall of Famer like I was able to do. Um, I, I worked with him, you know, as part of the broadcast team for two seasons before he retired and then also got to be around as kind of a tertiary member of the broadcast team for seven or eight years prior. Like, just being in the, the same building as him and watching him get ready for games, absolutely mentor with a capital M. He's, he's the best. He's, and, and, and I'll go right back to it. Like, I've never seen a human being more prepared than Peter Marr was. Does he still get out the games at all? You still? Oh yeah, yep. He's sometimes hanging in the uh, in the alumni box, uh, having uh, hanging out with some other former members of the Flames and and hobnobbing with some uh, some ticket holders. Uh, he's out at lots of different events. He's kind of turned into a, an official member of the Flames alumni as he should. Okay, because that's uh, those. Uh, I don't get up there very often anymore. So. Yeah, he still uh, he still comes to games lots. Okay, well, um, I enjoy it. Well, it's great to hear from you, Bob. Way to close it out two days in a row. <laughs> That's right. Maybe <laughs> maybe it'll be another couple of years till I do it again. So nah, we'd like call back anytime. Okay, bye bye. All right, see you, Bob. Appreciate the call, man. Uh, that'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show this afternoon as uh, the Flames come away with a 6-3 win over the Winnipeg Jets. Great stuff on the phone lines. Great stuff on the text line. Really appreciate it, as always. It is time for your final summary. Here's how the Flames come away with a victory today. 
They trailed and led. In fact, led on two different occasions in this game because they uh, did open the scoring in the first period. Good to see Oliver Shillington put together an end-to-end rush to score his first goal back since his return to make it one nothing Calgary at 419. Shillington unassisted uh, his first goal or point in the NHL since April of 2022. The one nothing Flames lead only lasted just over 90 seconds, though, because on a power play a few minutes later, Sean Monahan would tie it for the chances 15th from Kyle Connor and Gabe Velarde at 6.07 to make it 1-1. Then 52 seconds later, Monahan scores again, his 16th from Dylan DeMello and Josh Morrissey at 6.59. Jets in the lead. And then a little bit less than five minutes after that, Monaghan completes a natural hat-trick, his second career NHL hat-trick, to make it 3-1 Jets in the first period. Monaghan 17th from Velarde and Connor at 11:24 on the power play. Jets in control at 3-1, but less than uh, three minutes after that, a big goal from Blake Coleman gets Calgary back within one. Coleman's 22nd to tie a career high from Andrew Mangiapane and Michael Backlund at 14:09 was 3-2 Jets after 20 minutes of play. Flames use that momentum into the second period. They get a power play early on and tie the game. Nice redirect from Nazem Kadri on his 18th of the year. Kadri from Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberdo at 4.58 on the power play for a 3-3 tie. Then with less than four minutes to go in the second period, Flames go back out in front, and this time for good, Huberdo rips home his ninth of the year. Uh, Rasmus Anderson and Yegor Sharangovich, the assist at 16.06, and it was a 4-3 Calgary lead after 40 minutes of play. They'd pad that lead at 13-18 of the third period on a Manjapani goal, his 11th from Kadri, and then Kadri would seal a three-point night into an empty net with his 19th of the year. Kadri from Anderson at 18.03 got us to our 6-3 final score. Final shots, 34-31 in favor of the Flames. Calgary goes one for two on the power play. Winnipeg two for three on the man advantage this afternoon. Your three stars in the building, number three, Sean Monaghan, number two, Andrew Mangiapane, and your number one star with two goals and an assist was Nazem Kadri. With the win, Flames improved to 26-25-5. They're back in action Thursday at home to Boston. Austin, while Winnipeg drops to 33-15-5. They're back in action tomorrow on the road in Minnesota. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey today, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our on-site engineers, Tim Khalil and Jeff Mason, for our reporter, Logan Gordon, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned, next up for Calgary is Thursday night, a 7 o'clock face-off against the Boston Bruins. We'll be on the air at 6 o'clock that night with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. Hope you had a great long weekend. Final score from the Dome tonight. Uh, today, rather, the Flames double up the Winnipeg Jets 6-3. to This has been your Flames Talk post-game show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet. 960 The Fan.